a journalist, an anchor, and a producer form a love triangle. The aftermath of an affair turns deadly. The blitz as told through the eyes of a child. An engaged widow finds love. And a Chinese dynasty comes to an end. This time on the Oscar should have gone to 1987. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And the winner is the last emperor. Okay, we need to stop doing this because now you know, the way that you're saying it is also in a Chinese dynasty. <laughs> the um, comes to an end. I, sometimes you I are can, never going to get. Sometimes I can't think of like good log lines for it. Um, so I looked up. Uh, the one for The Last Emperor on IMDb, and the logline is a story about the last emperor of China. <laughs> and I was like, great, perfect. Um, um, we're here. I feel sort of like there's not much to report since our last, um, since our last record. I was on a bail for a commercial. Okay. I didn't get it. Great, that's a good story. Yeah, so that's... That's basically what I've had going on in my life. Um, and, um, yeah, we're back to the 80s. I'm excited about it. I saw Will Ferrell in my gym. Oh, yeah? yeah was he on the treadmill or he was just, just like walking? walking through the gym. Yep. He was wearing, I've seen him twice now, and both times he's been wearing the same thing, which is, it's probably I'm trying, his gym clothes. Well, sure, but I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm not passing judgment on it because I wear the same, like, four, let's say four right. shirts and black pants to the gym. Yeah. So that's like, and you just rewash it, right? Sure. But it's interesting. So I probably just caught him on a day where he happened to be wearing red shorts and a red like football t-shirt, whatever. Yeah. And I just was, it's just interesting. I'm like, pretty sure you don't wear that. I'm pretty sure you have other shirts, but it is funny. Don't you know Will Ferrell could afford a home gym? Like a nice home gym? Listen, I understand wanting to have to, because we had a, the communal the aspect, gym? because we had, no, 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 it's great. We had a, elliptical for a time uh-huh. and let me tell you it was used to hang clothes off of right because you're you're like I'm gonna use it all the time you're my, not gonna use when it when I was in 6th grade my dad had triple bypass surgery and we got a treadmill um and I think it was used half a dozen times mm-hmm. in 15 years yeah I like going to the gym and I also like the products at the gym more than the products that I buy. So. See, I've always liked when I've had the space having the home gym because I feel like I can watch, like, catch up on, like, TV shows yeah. or movies or something while I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm like, we had a Bowflex yeah. when I was in college, and that's how I watched The Wire. I watched The Sopranos. I watched Deadwood. I, I would truly just think there's, there's almost nothing, there's almost no visualization for me more horrifying than you just like in a sweaty white beater, just like working out on the bow flex. Watching out Swearinger. Yeah. Yeah. Swearingen. Swearingen. I don't know. Or watching. Ryan Perez is with us. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the gym talk. We're <laughs> <laughs> your, gym- your gym rats here today. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about machines, warm ups, cool downs, oh, and all the rest. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. I, um, it's. This is, this is who we are now, Ryan. Yeah. No, this is great. I, We're I, really I, excited to have Ryan here. Although, fitness. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I no, I mean, Ryan's like sort of an ultimate movie guy, which um, I feel like is sort of 
what I generally am on the podcast. Like I'm more like the guy who knows a lot, and now I'm. There's gonna really, there's really going to be no need for me on this. Yeah, episode. for sure, one thousand. Because my, person- my personality, my personality is always the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and now I don't, I'm not even going to have the knowledge base. Spiraling. This is yeah. not a good. This is no. This is a this is a conclusion that we come to. Good of the place as any. Uh, No, I'm I'm not an an ultimate movie guy. I don't. um, I'm for sure. I'm not that way. You are. Learned that over time. You are. Let me let me tell our so everybody knows the quick story of why I was like, we have to have Ryan Press on this podcast because I was in New York Mm -hmm. for your wedding. Yeah. And uh, Ryan was there working on a show. And I, we met you, we met up with you one night and I was talking about how, uh, for a beer and I was talking about how I had to watch a bunch of movies on the plane for this stupid podcast. And I was like, ugh, I had to watch, or he, and you said like, what year are you doing? And I don't even remember the year. And you were like, mm, remains of the day. And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> and I remember you didn't like Remains of the Day. I did were, not care yeah, for Remains yes, of the Day. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm excited to have you here because I also like Remains yes, of the Day. Yes, this was an immediate fight yeah. I mean, I, I, about I, I, Remains of the Day. Right from yeah. the start. And then I also think you were not as enamored of Titanic as I was. I'm trying to think. That year, uh, I mean, I don't know if I would have made it the best I don't know that, that James year, Cameron's but. as enamored of Titanic as you are, so... <laughs> but Titanic is an undeniably uh, great achievement. It is a great yeah. achievement, yeah. it so, is a great yeah. film. Yeah. But yeah, that was... Really that, splitting hairs to dislike Titanic. Uh, thank you, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, and I don't trust people that say that they don't like it. I didn't say it was bad. It was also not mine, nor your husband's choice for best. They picked Boogie Nights for that. Oh, year. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's when I was like, I came back to L.A. and I was like, or actually I saw you yeah. at your wedding. At my wedding, like, and you pulled me aside. I was on the altar, mm-hmm. like waiting for my <laughs> for my bride to walk down the aisle. And you said, hey, 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 come, 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 come. We have to get Ryan Perez. When he comes back to L.A., we've got to get Ryan on the podcast. Also, you shouldn't be on the altar. That's <laughs> yeah. not where yeah. you go. You should I was be like in front stupid. of. Yeah. Just, just hey, they can do it any way they want. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you can do don't. it. You don't know. You These days it happens Catholic all kinds of... I, you don't even Catholics know Catholics are weird. Yeah. 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 It's, um, nowadays, people get married all night. People do it all night. It's okay with Boys me. marrying boys. Girls marrying girls. Yeah, people it's, on altars. You can do it hanging from a chandelier. Marrying their future podcast co-hosts. Mm-hmm. To her husband. Mm-hmm. I mean... Totally normal. All sorts of things happening these days. The digital age. Trump's America, am I right? Shall we jump in? Let's jump in. Because so, I feel like we're going to go long. Yeah, so Ryan, you've listened, you, so. you told us, but uh, we'll go through these alphabetically, uh, ending with the Best Picture winner, and then we'll talk about some of the other movies from the year. Obviously, if another movie from the year comes up, in the meantime, that's fine, but we'll really focus on those I afterwards. have a feeling it just might. <laughs> um, so I watched a lot of other... Also, I want to say... I watched the most extra movies this time because I was like, I want to impress Perez. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay. I did that for you. <laughs> really dug in here. Ryan, did you, did you look at me. <laughs> this I did is, it for you. This is going to be really exciting. Yeah. I'm uh, excited to... Um, we'll go like f- four hours from now. We're yeah. Gonna be yeah. Like, <laughs> People will be like, did they just do an hour and a half on Hope and Glory? We opened the thing. There's no sin card in. Yeah. So let's start with Broadcast news. One of my favorite movies of all time, really. Oh. It's up there. Yeah. I mean, it's in the whatever. Well, I think we all can... The Basically, the beginning of broadcast news, I feel like everyone, most of us in America, really, it's a character we can understand 
because Holly Hunter just cries to herself every single morning. I, know I, I that's a touchstone for me. I relate to that move. Yeah. So hard in this. When I first saw this movie, I truly was like, oh my god, it's somebody, it's somebody else that does that. Yeah. And it's also is very like speaks to a time of like. Because I feel like she's doing it because, like, women, you know, you don't want to cry in the workplace. Right. And sometimes, you, so, but you, so she's like, I'm just going to get, it's like getting out all the the, the jillies, like, like, you jump around before you go on stage or whatever. And and then she's like, cool, I've done that now. Like, I've taken care of that, and now I can yeah. take care of the rest of my life. And I think that's, I mean, that's the most brilliant, this movie's brilliant in a lot of different ways, but that's my favorite part of this movie. Holly Hunter is such a powerhouse and I love her little accent, and I love that she doesn't, that she works that. Because when I was in college, uh, they were like, if you have any accent, if you have any sort of like discernible whatever, this is theater school. Right. They were like, you got to lose it. Yeah. And I love that she has like truly made that. There's only like one movie she hasn't used her yeah, accent in. Yeah, totally. To be fair, she did win an Academy Award for not using her accent in the piano. <laughs> Val, so. But she also doesn't talk at all. So that's okay. <laughs> Anyway, I love this movie. Somebody else talk about it because I'm just going to be... I don't have tons to say because, as we've talked about... We've talked about this, that sometimes when you just really like a movie, it's hard to yeah. do anything other than just be like... Oh, I like and that then part. I like that part, yeah. The, I mean, every, the sweating yes, really the sweating. stands the one, out. I mean, it's one of the great... That's one of the great comic scenes I think yes. ever, ever put to film. So smart, so funny. I really think this movie is... Uh, even though it's very highly rated amongst people... Uh, who have seen it, I think it's still very underrated. I feel like it's, sure. it's yeah. one of the great scripts. I would put it up there with the, anything Billy Wilder wrote or anything, yeah. like anything uh, Preston Sturges or anything. I think yeah. that the, this James L. Brooks script is is phenomenal. And Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter in particular are just two of the best comic performances uh, you'll, you'll see. And also, I mean, the way, God, she just anchors this movie in such a way. Yeah. Uh, it's in a completely original character, and uh, even William Hurt, who I don't particularly like, I've never been a big William Hurt fan, yeah. uh, works for this movie. He yeah. has uh, his his character uh, playing a kind of dumb. I was reminded of uh, Brian Williams a lot. Yes, he's almost kind of like a, a an antecedent yeah. to that kind of telegenic sort of dumb guy who with sort of shaky ethics. Yeah, who yeah. Uh, and so much in this movie is so relevant. Yes. Uh, even the, the story that he's uh, doing the report on is this kind of uh, date rape story uh, that eventually he gets in trouble for, and you realize, like, oh, it's that kind of performative sympathy is still a thing that people do, yeah. and it's what yeah. he gets in trouble for. And, and uh, I can't believe... Uh, I, I Every couple of years I revisit this movie and think, ah, it won't be as... I don't, maybe I won't like it as much, and it just gets better every time I it see it. It looks like it could have been... And other than some, like, hair and fashion stuff, like, it still looks like it could have been, and the humor and all of that stuff, it, it could it could have been made last year. Yeah. Which I think is hard, particularly for a comedy, because right. comedy changes. Right? Yeah. Like, our tastes change and, and things like this. But there's, there's so much... There, it's just so it's timeless the a the comedy is timeless in that way and i think the other thing that you're saying about william hurt where you're like he's sort of dumb i love that i love to see we we talked about this with movies in the past like subtlety and performances i love the idea of somebody that's like just sort of dumb just sort of a dumb, yeah. sort of yeah. nothing there it's yeah. harder to play and it's hard and it's yeah, but it's, it's not so like much, playing him as like this brick wall like yeah. it's not like his the his 
lack of intellect. Like, he's also self-aware of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He just is, like, not that smart of a guy and is totally fine with that. And right. Yeah, and he's kind of likable in his, in his own acknowledgement of it in a way. But, but I do think that... And I understand I why think, that would drive Albert Brooks yeah, fucking nuts. I do think that the fact that he's playing someone with, um, a, like, almost not a huge semblance of personality works in the favor of William Hurt because I feel like he's not... I don't find him charismatic in no, almost no. any performance. No. And I feel like the more charismatic we're supposed to believe he is, the worse the performance is because yes. he is kind of just this very stolid, like, good-looking guy. Yeah. Like, and I when can, you play into that, which I feel like they did, James L. Brooks did with Broadcast News, it really works. Yeah. It does. It's, I was thinking about it because I was thinking, God, this is perfect. Holly Hunter's perfect casting. Also was originally supposed to be Deborah Winger at some point. I think yes. Really? Yeah, shortly yeah. before... Albert Brooks is the best casting in the world. And you think, well, maybe William Hurt could have been someone more charismatic, but it might not have, the movie might not have worked. Right. It might yeah. have been something different. You almost need someone in there who's a little bit annoying and who's, whose arrogance kind of kind of comes through. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and I can't imagine that with Deborah Winger. Because here's the thing. I mean, she's it was, not I think, plucky. No. There's yeah. something that's so yeah. plucky. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, think, yeah. I mean, the Hunter. reason was because, you know, he'd done Terms of Endearment with her yeah. four years before. So yeah. I'm sure that's why it he probably just had a good working relationship with her, James L. Brooks. Uh, but I agree. I can't imagine her in this role. Um, and what you were saying about the look, uh, it's shot very much like a, a drama in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's Michael Bauhaus who did uh, uh, made these great movies with Fassbender and then did, uh, in the 80s, had just done uh, uh, After Hours and Color of Money. Oh, and then he would, never. a couple of years later, shoot uh, Goodfellas. So this is a guy, and then what's weird is like he, in the 80s, or uh, about... Uh, I don't know, seven years later, did um, Quiz Show, which is another great television movie. Mm-hmm. And I think really Bauhaus uh, understands something about how to shoot television romantically and understands like that dynamic of the of the control booth and the stage and, and there's yeah. great there's a, like these great split diopter shots in the movie of the of the bug in the air and then you see the uh, Holly Hunter up in the control booth at the same time and just a wonderful romantic way to shoot TV. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a couple this movies from this. This is why we have him on, guys. This is it. Well, I really like him, Bellhaus. And we, he died last year, so that's, that's he's oh. someone who I... Yeah. R.I.P., guys. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, there's, a, there's a couple movies this year that, in watching them, I was like, this person would not have a career if they had never seen this movie. And Broadcast News, like, as I was watching, I was like, well, what would Sorkin have done if Broadcast News doesn't come out? Like, yeah. is Aaron Sorkin the same person if he never sees... I don't know that he is an acolyte of this movie, but like yeah. particularly like Sports Night in the newsroom, like feel yeah. like they are bastard children. Of yeah, I never news. thought of that. I never really thought of that. Yeah, that they I are can the same. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I mean, yeah. I, it's hard for me now because I have so many other feelings uh, <laughs> about Aaron Sorkin that are wrapped up, but um, I don't have negative feelings about James L. Brooks. Right? He's gone on to do well. I mean, I don't think anything. Is reaches the pinnacle of broadcast news. Other than I guess, I'm a, I've never been a big Simpsons fan, but I really liked as good as it gets as a movie, and I like that script too. Uh, I, I a lot of people don't like that movie now. A lot I don't of people really care. We, we actually <laughs> talked. About, that was our first episode. It was '97, and we talked about it. And a lot of the stuff now feels, even 20 years later, it feels like. And even on the the Melvin Udall character, that's he's supposed to be this unPC person. It feels almost like, well, this probably wouldn't get made now. Like the way some of like the homophobia and like the racism and stuff is written you'd be like broadcast news when you were saying that uh, it feels like it could be last year I agree except there's no way a studio green lights this movie now where she doesn't end up with Albert Brooks at the end of the movie oh yeah yeah Yeah. 
William Hurt, and then people are disappointed she ends up with William Hurt, but that's the thing. They, know, like, she yeah. never they definitely, up. all three of them, like, there's no chance she doesn't end up with one of those that's guys. That's what's so amazing about this movie, yeah. it kind of masquerades as a romantic comedy or this love triangle, and then you yeah. realize at the end it's really just about her journalistic ethics. It's about yeah. somebody who's, who just wants to do their job. She's this, she, And I think it's presented in a very type A kind of comic character. Right. But it's it really is someone who's just fundamentally so devoted to their integrity. And that's what the movie's about. Yeah. Really. The love triangle is really not that much of it. When you right. kind of go back and analyze it, you go, oh, it's just really, it's about this woman who just can't stand the fact that this guy faked, uh, he, he's a fake journalist. Yeah. And that's as relevant... I, I can't think of anything more relevant to that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I literally, it's well, it was, it, you know. I mean, in light of all the Kavanaugh stuff, obviously, it was not only, like, the fake crying that William Hurt does, like, even Albert Brooks' reaction to the story, mm. like, watching that in the newsroom, just oh, being like... like what you're just, yeah. You really blew the lid off Nookie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Which is a oh, crazy line. Yeah. It's so crazy. But he's so bitter. Yeah. It's crazy. He's such. I, I actually have. Is is Aaron the most neurotic character in movies? He's hard to watch and hard yeah, to root because, for. Because because I mean, obviously, like there's like any Woody Allen character, but like you compare it to like Alvy Singer, like but like Aaron's harder to root for. Like, yeah. There's something you still want to root for in Annie Hall, whereas yeah. like Aaron, like you're like I don't really want. You. Holly Hunter deserves better than yeah, you too. For sure. Like, yeah. Albert Brooks is a persona. I mean, this movie and Lost in America were such huge movies in my family growing up. We, uh-huh. we watched them always. I mean, they were like a, they, they were like the, the family movies. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Albert Brooks to me is always a likable character. But then, sort of watching him in the context of a romance now as an adult, I think oh, this guy is really annoying. <laughs> He's also he reminds me of it's almost in a way it's the best movie I've ever seen about show business because everyone in show business I know has this kind of uh, neediness. I mean, like, there's a scene where he, um, uh, Nicholson is the anchor, like, doesn't thank him. Yeah. And he whispers to Holly Hunter and he says, you know, uh, pretend I made a joke so it looks like I have the style or whatever to have made a joke in this moment. I've seen people do that move before. It's about that kind of uh, neediness. It's about that, whoops, uh uh-oh, I turned something out. Uh, No, that that kind of, uh, yeah, she wants to to get in on it. uh, yeah, but that needing—that's that—it's the—it's a full-on show business mentality. Yeah. The, the person who wants to, he thinks he can be an anchor, uh, but he doesn't quite have the looks or the career. He's not a, quite intelligent enough to do it. Yeah. I also um, relate hardcore to William Hurt's character as somebody that uh, works in the entertainment business and is on camera and, and hates himself. I'm like one thousand percent like. Uh, <laughs> this is the part where you guys like guys go like, no, no, you're like way better than William Hurt. But I mean, it's in, everybody relates to that insecurity. I mean, the kind of insecurity. <laughs> I, 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 I would I would say like when I when I was watching this movie, I got a lot of guys. Holly Hunter, I gotta go do some ritualistic. Uh, a lot of lot of Holly Hunter crying in the morning. I was like, oh, that's like Megan. And then the sweating, of course, scene. Yep, it's like, yep, oh, that's, that's very. Like it seems very me. I'm fizzing yeah. right now. And Joan Cusack's kind of whole character. I was oh, like, that's oh, yeah. I love Joan like, Cusack. Yeah. So great. I do yeah. love when she's when they're rushing to get the. The videotape to yeah. the like I yeah. that's such a and that that's the one thing to me that's sad. People maybe maybe you don't know this, but I also I dual I dual major. Yes, Megan was a dual major and two dying At the time was it like you could have gone either way? Like No, but I but my parents were like, you can go to drama school if you also like take classes on the side and major in journalism. So that was the deal that we made. They were idiots because they were like, Oh, you'll have 
you know, you'll have this journalism career to fall, to fall back, back on. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. The sure, newspapers sure. will always be around. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing in this movie. The damn newspaper shuts well, down. I'm yeah. like, that's uh, that's, that's so like happening right now. I yeah. remember uh, about that tape thing. I remember being like a senior and like somebody that some old timer from that used to write for the Times came and like spoke about how when the Times building was downtown, how if he was wor- if you're working late. Uh, at a certain point, the um, like midnight or whatever, the uh, presses would switch on, and they were in the basement of the building, yeah. and they could feel the buildings. The building would start to vibrate, like mm-hmm. almost like there was an earthquake. This, of course, is like, dramatized in the Spielberg classic, The Post. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Oh. Well, okay. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, or I thought that was the most romantic thing, and then at the end, he was like, "Now we're up in Midtown, and it's all digital." And I was like, immediately, like, as if I was already not as interested in journalism as I was in drama. I was like, "Oh well, that's not. That doesn't sound quite as as fun, or as you know, not as interesting when there's not a vibrating machine around." Yeah. But I think that, yeah. but I think that's true for yeah. like a lot of that. Like there is, there is such a beauty in. And and that's and I guess that's what the movie is about too is about like the integrity of doing the news and there's something so uh, so beautiful about that moment when they're when they're just trying to get the tape in and then yeah it's sad that now you know. and it's also just a great slapstick moment in a movie that otherwise is not yeah. super slapsticky yeah. like they it's use a lot heavy. of different forms of comedy in it and yeah. they integrate them all very well I think yeah Joe Cusack uh, terrific um, there's an actor in this movie. Uh, that for years I watched the movie and I didn't know who it was. It's the guy who plays like the head of the news division. Who was like an actual head of and he the was, news yeah, division. Yeah, Peter Hackett yeah. and he was an actual, I looked it up just the other day, I was like, who is that guy? A great actor. And then it's, it was just like the guy, he was like in he this like one other movie. like a year before yeah, as he's like, like the head of the news division. Was yeah. he ever in anything else? I don't he was in the movie Colors, which is a, a Dennis Hopper Cop movie, interesting. Uh, with, uh, but uh, he's he <laughs> <laughs> But he's, he has a great look, like these old TV guys, yeah. and then uh, he's great in it. And uh, uh, Jack Nicholson, of course, uh, uncredited, uncredited, credited at the end, credited, yeah, yeah, at the end. But but I don't. It wasn't really a known um, commodity going in. Yeah, uh, this uh, that the speech that Albert Brooks gives about the devil. Uh-huh. In this movie oh, yeah. is probably my favorite piece of. I can't think of many more mm-hmm. pieces of movie writing I like as much as that. I think that's, uh, and it's I constantly, and, and truly like in terms of prophecy, this movie just works better than any movie yeah. probably from the, that whole decade. I can't. Think and of I don't know that he would be cast. I mean, he's such a strange look now. Because he is, in a sense, I mean, he's not the the only romantic lead. And like we said, this isn't, it's really right. not a romance yeah. in that sense. But I, I don't know who would be cast in that today. Yeah, it would probably be. It would be like, be like, like fat be, Chris Pratt. Or like, I was thinking it would be like Chris Pine. Chris, yeah. yeah, it would be like somebody. Miles Teller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, this goof over it here. It Miles Teller because he would just like talk a mile a minute the entire movie. And yeah. Would be like, it would be like great. a, it would be a, a heavily improvised role, I yeah. feel like now. Yeah. Um, and that would not work as well. Yeah. Nope. Guys, just have a good script. Yeah. I feel like nine times out of ten, too, when you, whatever, this is a whole different conversation, but that's what Kiz killed. Speaking of Will Ferrell. Hope that's not saying anything out of turn. Did you, you just kill Will? Did you kill Will Ferrell? I think his later movies are just like you know we don't really even need that much of a script. We'll just like turn the camera on Will and it'll be hilarious. Yeah. And like I'm not doubting his hilarity, but right. it's like 
start with something. These movies, when you watch, we'll get into Moonstruck and stuff. Yeah. Start with something like great. Right. Yeah. And then, and and then if you can add to that, that's gravy. That's awesome. You're right. But nine times out of ten, like what has been thought out ahead of time. Like if you've ever watched like improv on that's been like videotaped and posted online, like it is. It's not funny. Like even yeah, the don't funny click thing. on that. Don't click on that link. Please. Yeah, I don't think this is a highly controversial theory. Uh, I have a theory. Uh, my I have an idea of where this came from. Is in uh, the movie Tootsie, uh, Bill Murray is has a part in it, uh-huh. and uh, I think every actor, uh, every modern actor, has at some point watched Tootsie and wanted to be the Bill Murray of whatever movie that they're in. So there's a ton of these uh, sort of UCB-trained actors, and I know a lot of them, and they're all nice guys, but they're all trying to kind of outsmart the movie in a lot of ways. And I see that over and over and over again in comedies that I go to. I just see I see a lot of like oh we 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 kind of made it up on set or what my character we kind of made up on set and they all I think I think a lot of people have it in their heads they want to, they sort of have this fantasy of saving the movie that they're in yeah they come to set and the script's not so great but we're going to save it with our brilliant improv and sometimes that works if you're Bill Murray that works but for ninety percent of these guys it does not <laughs> yeah. work yeah <laughs> yes yes that and, is exactly and it. it's sort of in your average like this is forty caliber movie it doesn't you can tell where the improvisations are and yeah. just go, yeah. oh, it's not so hot. Yeah. Um, shall we move on? Yeah. Broadcast News is a great film. It's a good movie. You should see, if you haven't seen it. Which a lot of people which our age you, which you maybe haven't, haven't. Haven't seen. Pick it up. Um, that brings us to, I, this is a really interesting year, by the way, I think, because I would say the, I feel like four of the movies that came out this year would if it was still five movies, would probably not get nominated. And I'm not saying they're not good movies. They just don't seem like the kind of movies that would get nominated for Oscars. Yeah, sort of a strange um, academy. Which here. brings us to the second movie, which is a genre that doesn't get nominated that often, the thriller, and that's Fatal Attraction. Yeah. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Um, this is a great movie. This Fatal Attraction is so good. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about this movie. I have uh, mixed feelings on it. Who it. doesn't? Because you're like an Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I feel like I don't love the message. I feel like I, this is gonna sound crazy because he doesn't. I was gonna say I feel like Michael Douglas like gets away with it because gets away with being a dick because he happened to fuck a crazy person. Sure. Does that make sense? But I don't know that he 100% gets so I guess I see that. There's a little bit of a setup in the beginning. This is kind of what bothers me about this yeah. movie. And listen, this is I'm I'm getting in in, in it at the nitty-gritty level. And this is why I'm like, oh this movie would not be talk about movies that wouldn't be made today. Right. I feel like there's a setup in the beginning when he when she's like after they go to this party or whatever and she's yeah. like you gotta take the dog out and then he comes back and the kid's in bed and she's like I'm sorry right that kind of and then the next thing that we see him do is yeah, fuck, fuck out yeah. yeah exactly so I'm a little <laughs> bit like so I was a little bit like like just yeah. because he took the fucking dog like right. like just because she made him take the dog out and like let the kids sleep in the bed it's a like the way that it's I know that that's not what they're saying, but the, the way that it's right. kind of played out is that it's like, it's okay. It's like he, he, she pushed him to it or like, it was like he had, he was justifiable. Oh, that's in interesting. His, his interesting. reasoning. That is my take on it as a feminist. 
As somebody that likes to be, that likes, I don't like horror movies, but I do like thrillers. Yeah. This is great. As somebody that doesn't like to see people get, like, embarrassed, this is a tough-to-watch movie. There is the, the middle section of her growing attachment to him is so uncomfortable to watch. And that is a credit to the movie and also yeah. a detriment for me. It's horribly it's, awkward. It's horribly I, awkward. I didn't remember how horribly awkward it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. I get, I get, I, just thinking about it, Ryan, I have, I'm an awkward person and I am having every awkward moment that's ever happened in my life when I watch that movie. I'm like, oh God, was I like that? Or I don't know. Did you ever uh, sleep with a guy and then um, the like next day, Slit your wrist in front of him because if not, you're not like that. So. No, but I I have murdered many ex boyfriends' pets. Yeah. Oh, right, true. Well, that's we've all done that. Yeah. Let me ask you something because I was re- I had, I was not that well aware of the sort of feminist interpretations of this movie until I looked read a little bit about it after watching it. That's it was sort of perceived at the time as maybe this is a movie about like a career woman. Uh, being evil versus like a, how a family Ann Archer kind of typifies oh, the family woman. Did, did you pick up on anything like that? I didn't. As a feminist, up. as a feminist, as a feminist, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and speak for all women yes, because yes. I believe yes, they've empowered women. me to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. all women. Yes, all women. Uh, I'm gonna believe whatever you say. I know you but. are. I actually didn't pick up on that. That's not. Yeah. That that was and maybe I'm again just reading that is just like no. I think that that. That part didn't play into it for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that Michael Douglas. I didn't like. I didn't like that they painted him as sort of a sympathetic character. And I was like, well, but you, but you fucked around on your beautiful wife, and now you're paying see, the. See, for me, I never felt he was very sympathetic in the movie. Um, I and I think spoiler alert on a thirty-year-old movie: um, the fact that they had Ann Archer. Do the kill shot mm. that saves a lot of the movie. For because sure. I think if it is Michael Douglas that kills her, then a lot of this stuff for me like feels more resonant with the uh, Yeah. For well, sure. Might have been I mean, a tougher, he, might have been a better movie, might have been a tougher movie. Yeah. But but uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the original ending for this movie as written is as filmed. As film yeah. is that she kills herself with the knife he touches in her apartment, he's arrested for murder. Oh, that mm. would have been I'm gonna be a thousand percent real. I would. I think I might have liked that even. More. It might have been better. Yeah. yeah, it didn't test well. I don't think. I think Glenn Close <laughs> to this day. Yeah, she was very angry. About I think she yeah. she likes because I think she was trying to bring like a humanity to this character, and certainly now like there's sort of mental illness aspects of yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, borderline personality yeah. uh, disorder or whatever that I think she was very sympathetic to that yes. I think like she felt uh, maybe the movie like at the end the you know her becoming a psycho killer is. A little bit of a betrayal of this character that she devoted so much time, like trying to inhabit, and yeah. then truly, like she wanted. I think the thing I read was that she, at the end in the bathroom, she and like she's, a, cutting. she's cutting herself. She was like she insisted on like I want to cut myself because I I want the self destructive tendencies yeah. of this character. And that it's be. funny that you say that because that that part that really resonated with me mm. when she starts because at first she's just kind of plucking at with the knife at her that 
weird, crazy, long, white dress. Oh, great. Oh, by, by the way, her style in this movie is absolutely iconic. Iconic. It is true. Like her iconic. hair is, is great. It's the hair, she, when they go up dancing and she's wearing that like The hair like, plus dress, dress at the bar at the beginning of the movie should have been, it's just like a giant like red flag. She yes. should have yeah. just been dressed like a red flag. It is yeah. great. I think it's great and sex- sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Very sexy. Yeah. She's very, especially when they first go and she's like, you're right there, buddy. Yeah, I just dropped my mic. Right. When we when they first uh, go to dinner and she's like, it's obvious I'm attracted, like we're attracted to each other, blah, blah, blah. The way she frames it is like, yeah, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. Like, I understand. She's so hot in this movie and it is crazy to watch her, yeah, disintegrate. And I, I like that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I like... There's a there's a mo- there's a moment where he, where they go to, go to dinner and he says like why don't you have a date or whatever mm-hmm. the thing and I like that that line is there because it does again reinforce the idea that this isn't just like this is a beautiful successful woman who is super struggling with mental illness and it's not yeah. just about like well she should be happy like she should be fine like she's living in a cool locked apartment in New York City and has a banging body like. You go get yours, girl. Yeah, it's it's a it's a true ment- it's a true story of a mental illness, just kind of dressed up in a thriller costume. You, Not Michael Jackson thriller, but like I have a question. That would have been a good movie. Since you were watching this movie as a, as a married person, Maggie. and as a feminist, don't forget. <laughs> and as of course a feminist, but um, a I was watching this and I was like, as a married feminist, as as someone even in if in a relationship, I was like, how could someone watch this movie and then ever have an affair? Okay. <laughs> well, this is what they said uh, at the movie. The, the movie was like the jaws of uh, of uh, infidelity. At the mm-hmm. time. It was like uh, a lot of people. Uh, the jaws uh, of infidelity, by the way, would have been a great logline. It should have been the title. I remember <laughs> when I was a kid. This was like the infidelity movie. Like sure. when I was a little kid, yeah. there was not. It was almost like I had to be introduced to the idea of sometimes husbands cheat on their wives through. Fatal Attraction. That yeah. was sort of like the thing of like, well, what is he doing? Because I remember, I think I probably right. watched this movie when I was eight or something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, he's cheating on his wife. And that's uh, that's the reason that this is all happening. And you know, yeah. And uh, uh, it... it uh, There's something very... It's very biblical. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a true cautionary tale. Yeah. Um, I don't... You know what, though? My memory of this movie was like that it was... Um, it's almost like a pop horror movie, and it's very austere. It's like the first like 30, 40 minutes of the movie, there's no music. Yeah. There's nothing to like kind of indicate to you that like it's gonna get dark. You almost kind of watch this. If you if you honestly if you walk, walked into the movie and you really didn't know what you were gonna see, yeah. you don't really know till about 40 minutes into the movie yeah. that like, oh, she's like got some problems. Yeah. Well, like, because really- you don't the warning signs are so they they drop them like breadcrumbs. Yeah. I do yeah. really like that it's a slow build. Yeah. Even when she goes to invite him to the opera, it's she like she want you know she takes that rejection like because this is after the suicide attempt. So you're right. like ooh, but then she really dials it back and is like I'm really embarrassed. I'm sorry. Like as you know, let me invite you to the opera. And you're thinking that's okay. And then she leaves. She doesn't throw a big fit and she leaves. And yeah. I feel like now they you know in, in the lesser movie they would have her. Like freak out in the thing and, and they, whatever. And there have been tons of lesser movies. Like yes. this, I, I don't want to say this birthed, but definitely oh my god, it did for sure. The yeah. genre of like yeah. the from hell 
movie that you, I mean, I feel like then it died for a little while and now it's back again. I feel like you don't get, without this, not only do you not get the Hand that Rocks the Cradle kind of right. genre of film, I think you also don't get what became the the typical Lifetime movie. I think, sure. this, I yeah. think Lifetime basically it owes its entire existence Candace Cameron Burr. to this movie. And also there's like highbrow, like uh, even like Haneke type uh, cachet or you yeah. know, like these kinds of movies you don't, I don't feel like you would even get these movies distributed in the well, even, well even something for, like Get Out which obviously has yeah. much more social bent to it like yeah. I don't know that that movie is as it is if he doesn't know like a movie like Fatal Attraction like yes, to yeah. have like the girl. but girlfriend. why do you think But the, and we've talked about this when we did The Fugitive because this is kind of in the same like genre, thriller genre why was this nominated for Best Picture. I mean, and I'm not saying it shouldn't have been. Right. I'm just saying that's, this seems like an outlier. This is an interesting choice. I think it's just because it's, I think it's just a super well-made thriller. And I think this year, even if you look at the movies that weren't nominated, some of the, like, top critics' movies, you don't have a lot of, like, standard issue, like, like we're going to do 1984 in a couple episodes, and there's a lot of period epics in that year yeah. and a yeah. lot of them got nominated whereas this year I mean two of the movies are romantic comedies yeah like yeah. or so at least rare. we're probably even though like we said broadcast news there's more to it we're yeah. probably marketed it at least that way yeah. as romantic comedies um Fatal Attraction, I think is uh, it, it was also tremendously successful when it came out I think it was probably uh, two or three highest, uh, second or second or third highest grossing movie of the year. Yeah, um, which is that can't be understated. And also, I think there's a there's a case for why Fatal Attraction should win in a year like this. I was thinking about it in relation to like a year like last year. I was thinking about right. it. in 2017. What did I like? I liked. I probably think I liked Phantom Thread maybe the most of everything yeah. I saw. I liked Dunkirk. I liked Lady Bird. I liked a few. I liked Florida Project or some of these. Uh, but then that was when my, I, I like. Phantom Thread was my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are movies that I kind of you know I really like. But I really, you really think about it. I was talking about it with some friends a few months ago, and it's like Get Out really is the movie that should have won in the sense that like we all everyone gives a shit about Get Out. It's a movie that spoke. It is an iconic. It's the it's the movie of two thousand. Yeah, I was gonna say it's also very two thousand. Yeah, yeah. It's creating like iconography, and this movie is is creating iconography. Fatal Attraction is of all these. These are all great. I I think these are actually all really good movies that we're gonna talk about. But Fatal Attraction is the one that people really care about. Right. It's the one that like lives on in our memory. Yeah. Like 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 bore into so in that sense there's a good you can make a case for it I'm going to disagree you know? with something that you just said but yeah. I'm not going to talk about what it that was now you'll see later on here's my uh, one thing ooh, about it on. here's my one thing he leaves that dog alone overnight mm-hmm. so he is fucking dead too I was going to say the worst thing he does in the movie to his family is he takes the dog and he plays with Alex with the dog. That That's scene like a, was so disturbing. Yeah, like, I, don't like that. I don't care that he had sex with her multiple times. The fact that he's playing in the park with her and the dog. And the I dog. can't believe yeah. that was weird. I wrote that down. It's like this is such a disturbing scene running around with this yeah. dog. Yeah. I don't know why that disturbed That's, me so much. To me, that was much more of a betrayal. Yeah, okay. I agree. I, anything that has to do with the dog, and it wasn't a golden, but it looked like a golden. I think it was like maybe a lab. So that's another thing, too, uh, that... Um, it really struck you to the really core. really struck me. I did not care for that. Yeah. I also don't know how I felt about their very intense sex scene. 
Yes. And With a kind of clumsy one on the sink? Yeah. yeah. She was like it's a little clumsy. Water and that. Yeah, it is a little... I don't know. Cause I yeah, just, if, he didn't, if he didn't know by her sitting at the bar, he should have known after that sex scene that she was... Crazy. A, a little... Yeah, uh, we can't say crazy nowadays, but she's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Like, because sometimes you... Because sometimes... I mean, you watch these movies and you're like... Like, even if it's weird, you're like, yeah, that's like some hot sex. Like, I would like to have that. And then you watch this and you're like... Yeah, there was nothing, there were like, like they are sexy together, but then that sex scene, it's like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, this, it feels very, uh, like it feels weirdly put on. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of face touching. Um, you know, Ann Archer's a huge Scientologist. Is she? So maybe that's what drove him away. Maybe. Um, there's a wonderful performance. She's a, Ann Archer's pretty good in the movie. There's a, yeah, I think a, the, she got nominated. Ann Archer, she's a supporting actress. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you the secret weapon of the movie, besides Glenn Close, I think is Jane Krakowski as the babysitter. I didn't know that. Jane Krakowski is in this movie. I didn't know Krakowski. I didn't even know. She notice popped. It. I didn't notice, and then she popped up. It said like Jane Krakowski, babysitter. Jane Krakowski, and I was like, huh? Jane Krakowski. Wow. Went back, watched the scene. She was great, guys. Yeah, she comes in. She's like, I got wow. you. I brought you something. Yeah. You got some fun. There's a Fred Gwynn pops up. You get you get Stuart Pankins, a great little uh, a few great little uh, character actors in the movie. Uh, the one performance though that I think really uh, is underrated is uh, the child. Oh, yeah. this actor, this, uh, her name's Ellen Latine. She is so good in this movie and so naturalistic. It actually reminded me of Florida Project. It reminded me mm-hmm. of this kind of naturalism, which. Honestly, Michael D- Douglas, he's such a shithead in this movie, you don't really sympathize with him at all. And it's only, I think it's, I think the movie's trick is that through the child, there's some wonderful scenes. Like there's a little scene where she's trying to say some, uh, she's trying to remember like a uh, play or uh, she has a Thanksgiving little monologue to deliver and he's looking yeah. at her. And you realize like, oh, this is, this shithead who I don't really care about, he might lose this, this adorable child over yes. this. And I think if you have a more polished, like, Haley Joel Osment kind of child actor in there, right. I think the movie sort of falls apart. I think you need, like, a grounding thing. Uh, you need, you need a, a truly adorable, naturalistic child uh, to sort of realize, like, what he has at stake. And also to contrast... A Jonathan Lipnicki, if you will. A Lipnicki. You need a Lipnicki. You, you gotta, you gotta get a Lipnicki. But this kid is great, and I don't think she... I think... I, I looked it up. I think she was, like, in Christmas Vacation, and I don't think she really acted in much more. Good but, for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, get out. Yeah, <laughs> get out. Those are, yeah definitely. Get out, <laughs> While you're on top. And walk away. Um, but it's one of the great child performances, I think, in a movie that's not really about children. But it, 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 to me, I'm like, oh, without this performance, the movie's almost... You, you'd almost just walk out on this character. Yeah. You, he, like, you definitely you know. need the kid because that's really what... Because I do think he and Ann Archer have good chemistry yeah. and see why they... And, you know, buying that house, which, by the way, they're going to want to sell that house, right? Oh, one million percent. Like, that's well, I mean, Ann Archer is going to get the money from that house and the divorce, which yeah. I'm assuming... Do you think they stay together at the I end? Do, do you think and a... it makes me sad for Beth. Oh, she's a Hillary. I mean, it was a dress. <laughs> she's a Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Flowers had shown up and hope When dramatic things happen, I feel like it pulls people together and I feel yeah. like they stayed together. Yeah. But they did sell that house for sure. Yeah, also, they had to she's get out of like, that house. Yeah. And he had to buy a new car. New a, lot of, a lot of costs. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. rabbit was the cheapest thing they had to get. <laughs> I kept thinking, I was like, I get, I get, like, what happened to the rabbit's terrible, but, like, you're not going to tell your daughter what happened to the rabbit. You're just getting another no, rabbit just get another and telling her it's the same rabbit. Get yeah. another rabbit. She's not going to know. She's six. 
I know they didn't, they didn't need to tell. I don't think they told. I don't know. Yeah. There's no scene of them telling her. Yeah. Do you know that I had a rabbit? Wait, not I. My sister had a rabbit named Cuddles when we were growing up, and she lived in a hutch, like much like the one in Fatal Attraction. So idyllic, your New Hampshire upbringing. Okay, get ready. <laughs> it died because my sister, whose responsibility it was, yeah, forgot to feed it. Makes me worried for your nephew. That's a tough way to go. Yeah. Starvation. Yeah. Yeah, I am concerned for him. Yeah. I call in on the reg just to check. Hey, you feed that water, water, are you okay? <laughs> water, you eat? Did you eat? How many um, days does it take not feeding a rabbit for it to die? Let's not, let's not actually, now that I brought that that story, let's not dwell on that. Yeah. It's going to make me upset. Last quick fatal attraction question before we move on. Um, do you think this is the second best shower bath scene in cinema? After Psycho? Yeah. Uh, are you talking about the? <gasps> yeah, that's my question. Oh. The second uh, most uh, iconic, memorable, iconic. Yeah, I like it. You know, it's a movie that has a, a really good bath. Is uh, what lies beneath. Right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, that, that also came to my mind, but I was like, Fatal Attraction is a more well-regarded. Remember this? So. Uh, is this it, is I've why never we seen have the res. old Diabolique. I think mm-hmm. that has an old. Uh, I, I've never seen it though. Not Apparently, that either. has a good bath in it. Yeah. Uh, but I no the, yeah when she comes out of that bathtub it's yeah. like the best it's horrifying yeah, yeah. and you do and I and it's funny because I you know I'd seen this movie before I knew it was going to happen and I still was like Ooh. yeah I had I watched it a couple years ago and I so I knew I was like I know she's coming back and I was still like okay here we go it's 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 intense that whole last sequence is intense yeah with the ni- like with the knife and it's shot really well too where you're like oh god like. Just the blood and the water. This is a case where, like, the studio note might have just been for the best uh, in terms of the film. Like, I I, I understand a more empathetic version of the movie that ends with her killing herself. Yeah, I feel like this is a real. I feel like thirty years later, us watching it, like the original version, we would have been like, "That was amazing that they got away with that thirty years ago." Yeah. But at the time, I can see why the studio was like, "Yeah, no." Yeah. Like she has to die. Die. And she has to. And, and she has to some, die yeah. by Anne Archer's hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a crowd pleaser! Truly a crowd pleaser. Like yeah. you don't. This movie's not successful because it doesn't like please the, the people. Are like, yeah. She. Did you ever see the movie with um, uh, Beyonce and? Uh, yes, obsessed. Obsessed. It's the same kind of thing. Like I was watching. I watched Obsessed in my in my living room and was uh, cheering. Yes. And I it's, can't. I own it. On yeah. DVD, it's so it's uh, it's one of my guilty pleasures because it's not super well done, and I I would argue that like like the first half of the movie is like a little or there's there's parts of the movie unlike this movie because maybe it's just not written as well. It's like and also I love Beyonce, but I don't know about her as an actress. Um, it like moves, it churns a little slower, but the there's some really fun moments, and the the climax of that movie is great and crazy and when she's like what does she say to her she's like oh no she's like you come in my house you touch my child (laughs) that was in the trailer I never saw the movie but I remember those lines kill you it's great it's good it's good it's It's pretty enjoyable it's pretty good and we never would have had it if we didn't have Fatal Attraction yeah wow guys R.I.P. Um, our next, our next film alphabetically, and I'm gonna let Ryan start on this. Uh, is Hope and Glory, and I'm excited to hear your defense. <laughs> <laughs> Every movie this year is good. Says, oh, direct quote, Ryan Perez. Oh, you don't think Hope and Glory is good? I think it's the worst movie that we've watched on this 
podcast. Wow, that's a lot of movies. That's a lot of movies. It's according to Craig. Over now, is, now, where you were saying that this, uh, you had not seen Hope and Glory before. So I had never seen Hope and Glory. This was the only. When we started doing this, the only nominees I hadn't seen were Howard's End, Hope and Glory, and uh, Il Postino. And I would say, I would say, God damn, Brian! I would say, I'm glad I saw Il Postino. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Howard's End, I love. No, Mm. wrong. (laughs) You know what? Howard's End, Raw Remains of the Day. You're no fun. (laughs) Oh yeah, those movies are a blast. I like Remains of the Day. Uh, this um, movie, I felt like from the word jump, I was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Well, you understand what's happening in the movie. It's a, it's a childhood. Yeah. It's like a childhood recollection of wartime and what it was like to live through those But it doesn't super, it doesn't, I don't, I don't feel like it 100% commits to through the eyes of a child. Because there is some stuff that's like, seems very like, do you know what I'm saying by that? Like some stuff that seems very like simple, simplistic, and whatever. Yeah. But then there's also like some really like like deep conversations and thoughts that goes on that, that are happening between adults. Yeah. But I'm like, if you're a child, they, you probably wouldn't notice those things. Sure. So I kind of am like, oh, it is. It purports to be through the eyes of the child, but it's really just this family right. through wartime. Yeah. And. And that family is made up of some pretty tough actors. And by tough, I mean bad. <laughs> They're really bad. Well, there's some good actors. The mother, the mother, uh, Sarah Miles uh, is all right. I disagree. Yeah. I think she's the. I think she's probably the best actor in the movie. And that is the damning with some faint. And the voice. grandfather. Who's like a, a Me Too era disaster? Oh the grandfather is the grandfather's a, a weird He is a weird but Yes, yeah. Um, I kept waiting at the cricket. end of that movie. I kept just waiting for him to die of a heart attack running for the cricket ball because yes. I was like, "What's going on? Like we've been with this for like 15 minutes." When I will say this: I, I, I sort of came into this thinking that like, oh, we sort of talk about this movie, and I would, I would like. Gives a few reasons for why it's not as good as the others, but now I feel like I have to defend. <laughs> I, didn't really, I, didn't, I didn't prepare anything like good about the movie, other than the fact. I will say this: John Borman is a great uh, journeyman director. I think that I don't. He doesn't. He's not one of these directors who gets a lot of love from like the Criterion world. Uh, or the world. And- it could be because he made Hope and Glory. <laughs> <laughs> but he's made some wonderful, he made uh, Deliverance, and he's made uh, right. Point Blank, and uh, some pretty great movies over the years. He's a very efficient storyteller. Hope and Glory is a very fast-moving movie. It's not a necessarily a boring movie to sit through. Um, and so it's, in a way, it's, it's playing to his strengths. What he is not is a great impressionist filmmaker. Like, he's right. not... You're not watching this movie in the same way that you would watch like um, um, like Fellini Amarcord or like or even like a movie like Dazed and Confused, uh, where you're, you're you're almost having like a nostalgic reaction to something you didn't experience. Like right. Hope and Glory doesn't inspire that. Yeah, as a coming of age story. After I watched it, I went on IMDb because I was like, I want to see what the re- user reviews are like yeah. for this movie, and it did seem like. There were a lot of very good reviews, and all, but almost every single one of them was like, "I lived through the Blitz," and or yes, my yeah. parents lived through the Blitz, yeah. and like it seemed like it 
really only struck a chord with people that were either directly related to or had personally. I think that's these how you explain the nomination. Yeah. I think honestly, in this year, you have to. I mean, we, you guys have seen it over and over on this podcast. Yeah. It's like there's always one nominee, or usually one nominee. That's like, oh yeah, that's what the 80 year old. In well, the particularly crowd with kind this of like one, and we've talked about this a little bit before. There's a big, I'm assuming, British contingency of the Academy, and sure. we've seen it a lot over the last several years since they expanded it. That every single year, there's a British film that you're like, how do they even get the top? Like a movie like Philomena, which is a fine movie. Yeah, but you're like, yeah, yeah. Why is that a top eight movie of the year? Yes. Like, who's voting for Philomena? Um, but it's clear that's like the British contingency is like, well, there's got to be a British movie in there. And it's not, I'm not talking about something like Dunkirk. I'm talking about, you know, when we have uh, both The Invention of Love and The Imitation Game, game. like, the same year. What's strange, I will, uh, go ahead. I just was going to say, like, I don't feel like, when you're talking about, I forget what you were saying, Fred, but this doesn't feel like a real movie to me. I just, I wrote down, it was like a nothing movie to me. Well, no, you know what it feels like? And, And I'm talking about, like, just the way that it was made. It feels like my, my, speaking of British stuff, my parents watch, um, like, they watch, like, a ton of fucking shit on BBC America or yeah. whatever. They watch, like, yeah, Mark like Martin a, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like an hour and 45-minute version of Call the Midwife. Yes. Yeah. It feels like a television show that they were like, oh, actually, we, like, shot way too much. So let's just, yeah. like, make that into a movie. Uh, well, I will say that it has t- a television quality to it, like, just in its, in its filmmaking. Like, you compare it to... This is the same year as Empire of the Sun, yes. which we might talk about later, but like that's a movie that it's the same childhood recollection. This is the same year as uh, Au Revoir Les Enfants, which is Louis oh. Malle's movie. It's a beautiful movie. Forgive that pronunciation. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. We're going to talk about that. Yes. Movie. I mean, uh, these are movies that are uh, uh, childhood recollection. Uh, they're about childhood recollection, uh, and they're just so beautifully, evocatively made, and this movie just doesn't ev- evoke that much, even though it has these terrific scenes like the kids in gas masks uh, uh, doing the multiplication tables. And, yeah. I mean, there's and some... The, when they're like, when he's like, what swear words do you know? Yeah. And then he says, fuck. Yes. And they're like, we only save that for really... And then later on that comes back when he's yelling. And when they're all looking when at he's the, like, fuck, they, fuck. They pay a dollar to look at the girl's vagina or like force yeah. her No, that's it. actually <laughs> fucked up. Horrifying. <laughs> and horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, there there are some cool. Well, it's like hard. Cause there are. <laughs> Your mom just died, right? Because <laughs> if you give me a dollar, we can settle this right now. Uh, no, I just think that like I I just think there are cool m- moments, but on the whole, I would like. <laughs> I just kept being like, is this is this a real movie? And and tonally, it felt so. Not just be, it felt like a TV show, not just because it was the way it was shot. I know it's about the Blitz, yeah. But it's like, I don't know. Totally, it was so weird. I never could decide what I want. For me, I even wrote down like my last note on it was maybe this is just something I don't get because um, I I totally agree. I didn't know what it wanted to be like at, at about they, like they made some maybe like twenty minutes like, before the end of the movie. I was like, oh, is this supposed to just be a comedy? Yeah. And I need to rewatch it, just thinking it's a comedy the whole time. The only moment that I that really stood out to me was the moment when they're in the house and the bomb blows out the windows. Mm-hmm. Which also you would be, but again, this is my the, the, I, it's okay. Yeah, it's about the blitz. Nothing really bad happens to this family. Those windows get blown out, and like. The mom, I guess, later on has some blood on her thing, but I'm like, if a fucking glass fucking window blew up from a bomb yeah. in front of you and you're looking at it, like, 
that you would think the consequences would be a little more dire. She was like, "Oh goodness, the the door, like the wall is gone. Yeah. Like get underground." I feel like if I and just, then the sister, everybody lives. If like, I rewatched dies it, except for Pauline. If I rewatched mom. it just as like basically like a slideshow of his recollections, maybe it would mean not like knowing that's what it was. Because like I bet like as an eight year old or however old he was, the glass blowing out and then your sister running out to meet you guys I mean like you left me behind yes that's something that would stick with you yes the school being bombed at the end yeah the Nazi landing in the field yeah 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 yeah. but then as he's being led away the sisters like making eyes at him they're like making eyes at each other and I'm like this is so totally strange but I think that's I think that's I don't criticize the movie for that I criticize it for other things but I think that that's interesting that it's totally strange I think it's interesting that they go outside and there's a bombing and they're like oh it looks beautiful or or the Nazis kind of cute or whatever. I like these the, are th- these are the recollections of childhood. Yeah, I think which the are, scenes with a more artistic fair. filmmaker would maybe have made this work. Yeah, that's kind of what my was my ultimate conclusion of it is like almost on paper a lot of this stuff works, but this isn't this isn't Fellini making this movie. Right, it's a it's a guy who kind of is a pretty straightforward uh, meat and potatoes filmmaker in a lot of ways and he's just not pulling like the, the childhood impression uh, impression yeah because it he feel- shot a couple episodes of small wonder and then he was like <laughs> I think I got this whole well it feels like it feels like an A to Z movie where really it needs to be an A to one to Roman numeral four like like it's so like things just jump around so much and it it, it wants to like run like there's a plot driving through the movie, which there isn't, I don't think. I mean, I was less bored watching it, like, to your point, I was less bored watching it than some of the other movies, <laughs> Remains of the Day, <laughs> uh, Letters from Iwo Jima come to mind, like, th- those th- movies were more of a slog for me, but thin I just was like, thin, oh god, the fucking Thin Red Line. <laughs> I can't believe you don't like Thin Red Line. I uh, hate that movie with the fire of a thousand suns. But I was like, lines this are beautiful. That's probably the best movie of that year. No, oh. that is. You, oh, Brian, come on. Brian, take your mic off. <laughs> <laughs> what if we just paused and we came back and it was like, we've asked Ryan. So we've got two more movies to talk about. Unfortunately, Ryan had to leave. <laughs> uh, He's off jerking he off. He walked out on Ken Red Gross. But it was, but this movie is just not, it's not made well, I guess, for lack of a I just was like, wow, this is. Yeah, let me tell you something. Megan's not going to buy a dress at this movie because it's not made well. <laughs> Can we get the best sponsors? I would love some free shit from Maybell. I will yeah. say that when the... We'll be right back. When the... Uh, <laughs> as much as I... And I saw this movie years ago for the first time, and I remember liking it a lot more. On, on a revisit, it definitely was not great. But watching it again, I had completely forgot about this long cricket section at the end of the movie. Yeah. And oh, it yeah. truly is... Watching it, I was just imagining like the old ass academy <laughs> member, like oh yes, it's delightful. The old man is like, and it's just a kind of. I remember the first time I went to Google it myself. It's like the old Google I was like, yeah. cricket. A cricket seems fucking dumb. <laughs> B, we had to fucking come bail your asses out for WW two. Am I right, guys? But this is a. I will say. This is about it's a this is a rare movie that's about civilian life in wartime. I can't yeah. think of a lot of movies that are like this. Um, it may not be the most beautiful, uh, stirring, uh, well shot recollection of that, but I, I do think it's useful for that. Unfortunately, I think the like you're saying, the audience for this movie died probably. I'll tell you what. Ten, Twenty years ago. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. When I was a kid, I had an American Girl doll, and you guys don't know this, but American Girl dolls 
like every American Girl doll has like his own like little story yeah. or whatever. I saw the movie American Girl, um, Kit Kittredge. Kit Kittredge, yes, right. Yeah. And, they, yeah. and they've made movies of not quite to that level of Kit Kittredge, mm-hmm. but they've made movies of like almost all the other ones. When I was growing up, I had uh, Molly McIntyre because I was obsessed with World War II. Mm-hmm. And she, her dad was a GI and she was on the home front. And she, you know, like did stuff like Where's she did this like going? fundraisers. <laughs> they made a Molly McIntyre movie, <laughs> and that movie is better than Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> was it like talking about like what's it like on the home front? Is it a direct? Go watch to... American Girl direct to DVD. Molly McIntyre. You can go buy it at the American Girl store mm-hmm. at the Grove. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. This that movie is think it's better, better than, than Hope and Glory. Glory. I do. I like now. I have to see it now. I kind of sure. want to see it. Um, let's move on from Hope and Glory um, to Moonstruck. Why would you want to move on to Hope and Glory? <laughs> 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 Moonstruck. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. I snap out of it. Now this is difficult for me because full disclosure. This I feel like will come as a surprise to no one. I I love Cher. I am a crazy Cher fan. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Okay. She's just so like I would watch her read the fucking phone book. What about as an actress? I think she's fine. I think she's good in this movie. Because I think she's good in this movie, and if you can somehow ignore the fact that Holly Hunter and Glenn Close were both nominated for Best Actress and didn't beat her, yes, I think you can be like Glenn Close is a or Cher does a good job in this movie. Yes. It's just hard, like looking back in comparison to those two performances. She gives like a nice, subtle performance, yeah. yes. and you're she does. like, but then, yeah, and there's something yeah. about her that. I she's mean, magnetic. She's magnetic. When she's yeah. stripped down at the beginning of the movie, like I mean, they obviously had to have the share moment when they go to the opera, yeah. but when she's just in like basically like a head wrap and like a house dress, it's like, area. it's like I think mean, she's still she's like still you can't fucking, take her eyes off her. Eyes she's off her. a fucking she's star. She's the most amazing yeah. person ever. I love her. I also uh, when I was in right after after college worked with John Patrick Stanley and I think this script is super super good it's a great script yeah it's so good I think it's so I I think especially the stuff with Olympia Dukakis she's incredible Olympia Dukakis I am so madly in love with Olympia Dukakis in this movie she is so it is one of it might be the I was talking with a friend a while ago about the best supporting actresses if you just had to make like the of uh, a murderer's row of the best, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, from the whole history of the yeah. Yeah. Oscars, and she Fantasy might be time. in the, she might be in there, like her 1, and Sandy Dennis, and like there's a handful of actors. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, like, she, she, Rita Moreno, as much as Cher pops off the screen because she's a star. Like Olympia Dukakis's first scene where she's just lying in a bed, yeah. saying dialogue. You're like. Oh, I mean, there's good performances in this movie, and then there's Olympia Dukakis. Yes, yeah, right. she blows it away. <laughs> yeah. When that guy, my favorite scene with her is when uh, the Johnny comes in and she's talking to him. And she's like, "Why do men chase? Oh yeah, chase women or whatever?" And then he says, "Like they're afraid of death," and she's like. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Great no. scene with her and John Mahoney earlier. Oh, and, amazing. And, and those scenes are, you're like, I can't believe. It's another movie you watch and you go, I can't believe this movie being nominated now would be almost feel impossible, but it's such a beautiful script. It's so, it's so, beautiful. so, it's yeah. so beautifully written. It's so just like, even just the montage of all the, the our characters looking at the moon. Yeah. It's just such a, and how everybody reacts to it a little bit different. It's such a, and then that like August Osage County, you know, moment at the end when they're all around the table and they're waiting for Johnny. What a cool waiting, we're waiting for Johnny, somebody that comes in. It's so great. Nicolas Cage in this movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's weird because it's like a big performance, which I'm not used to with Nicholas Cage. I know. What, was so I, yeah. reserved usually. Uh, we were coming off of Peggy Sue Got Married, where he was very and, <laughs> and going, raising Arizona, and then going the into year, raising Arizona like, and yeah. Vampires Kiss, yeah. in which he was he very was so grounded. Yeah. Yeah. So I was reading something. Uh, actually, Benny pointed me towards this, but this article, but uh, with um, what's her, what's her face, Kathleen Turner, about uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh yeah. yeah. And they asked her about Nicolas Cage, and she was like, yeah, he just, like, did that. He just, Mm -hmm. like, came in and was just like, this is my choice, and went and just was like, I'm going to go at 100. And I think the, and we're going to talk more about Nicolas Cage, I think, but I think the thing with him is, because I was like, I'm confused, because sometimes he's good, and sometimes he's like, my hand! And I was like, I lost my hand! I lost my hand! The first scene, he just comes in. <laughs> Nicholas exactly. Cage is the living version of keeping it 100. Yeah. Like, he just comes in as hot Little as possible. Woman. Like, you can't and touch him. And I think him. sometimes it, he just makes a choice. And I think yeah. in some movies it works. And in some, like, I think he just makes a choice. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it really does not. And, like, I love this movie so much. I don't know about this movie. It's well, disturbing. I, having watched this and then seeing, uh, not that this is particularly related to the movie, but seeing A Star is Born, uh, the new version, which goes to such great lengths to explain how Sam Elliott and um, Bradley Cooper are brothers. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Danny Aiello is... 30 plus years older than Nicholas Cage. <laughs> he is, yeah. Yeah, why are they yeah. brothers? Yeah. Why are they? We got different they? mothers. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got different mothers. I do think... My the, mother. I do mama. think it's so funny that the family drama, like you're waiting to find out what this family drama is, torn them apart is, and it's that... He distracted... Johnny him. ordered a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And also, by the way, that his whole life is ruined because... He lost his hand, like which, by the way, would totally be traumatic. But it's yeah. also like he didn't lose his dick, like he didn't lose, like like he lost his hand, and that is. But he like. And you know what? You've got the same job. Yeah. You didn't lose your job. You didn't you lose your, your job. Hand. You and and if your and if your fiance left you just because you lost a hand, and that's she's like bad news. She's a fucking bitch. Yeah. I, I you know I'm gonna go on the defense for both <laughs> the hand and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I think that the movie is about. Uh, there is definitely a. There's a you have the, they're going to see La Boheme in the film, and there's opera. Uh, I think the movie yeah. is an yeah. opera. Sure. You're I think right. that uh, Nicolas Cage is giving an operatic performance, uh-huh. and I don't actually think that that performance is incredibly. You have to also think about this in context of like what, like what kind of uh, Italian films had you seen, or like uh, or, or what had really been in the mainstream. Of uh, uh, films about Italian American families, you have The Godfather. You have a few movies that are kind of like more subdued mob movies, really. Right. This is like a. This is a for the t- for the time. It's kind of a audacious ethnic. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy. Uh, and it's people, like it's it's almost. I mean, it's obviously much more skillfully written, but it's like a it's Tyler Perry for Italians. In a so, way, and yeah. people like. But that's but people do behave like that. Yeah. I mean, they, they do. Beha- I mean, I think like Nicolas Cage is huge. Yeah. But human beings do behave in the in the vicinity of that, and even even then, I think even if you think he's a little bit over the top, I think you I, I will justify it by saying that the movie is recalling these operatic themes, and it yeah. makes sense yeah. to have a character who's at an eleven, to, who's, right. who's 
who's uh, who's passionate. Yeah, I'll tell you uh, what. I, I I made Maddie new. When Maddie, when Maddie proposed to me, he did it sitting down next to me, uh-huh. and uh, I took a minute, and then I was like, well. No, you gotta do the kneeling thing. Allie to this day. Uh, you do the goddamn kneeling thing. Allie to this day brings up the fact that I didn't kneel. Yeah, you do the kneeling thing. Well, right? it's because I wasn't holding the ring. All right. You do the kneeling thing. Don't yeah. You do the kneeling thing. Anyway. Um, Colin Kirby. What I was gonna say. Had it wrong. <laughs> when we. Right? Kneel. Wrong. You have to right, kneel. No, he had it right. No, he had it right. He had it right. He had it right. Yes. Talking about um, the opera thing, that actually brings me to what I believe is the most unbelievable part of this film. Which is that Nicolas Cage's character owns a tux. <laughs> he does, yes. <laughs> I'm gonna do you one better. I'm gonna do you one better. What kind of monster asks for their steak well done? That's a, yeah, that's a bit of a. Uh, that was, I like it well done. Uh, the I like it well of the done. United States. No. Okay, all right, all right. Also, then Olympia Dukakis, I think it's Olympia Dukakis, they go, when she goes to the Italian restaurant, she's like, I want a martini, no ice. Where the fuck are you going that they're putting ice in your martinis? What is happening uh, with the food in this? Might is have been an 80s thing. Maybe yeah. it's an 80s um, I just was like horrified. Here's a, wait, we talked about. No that. ice in your martini? Yeah, it should be uh, a rare stick. Do you think if Moonstruck is never made, my Big Fat Greek wedding is ever made? That's, uh, you're absolutely right. I think it's not made. I think uh, also Crazy Rich Asians is not necessarily yeah. made. I yeah. think the, the, the entire world of like a, like a subgenre, a sub-genre romantic, romantic comedy, comedy like dealing with like centric. Yeah. I think, and this is like, I mean, like I saw Crazy Rich Asians, and I didn't really relate to it. To me, that world is like watching Neptune almost. Not right. that they're Asian; it's just that they're rich. Like you're yeah. watching like this rose petals and. Uh, Meg and I are very rich, but Ryan yeah. is a pauper. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, a pauper. But uh, but my big uh, fat Greek wedding I don't really like as a movie, but I understand yeah. why it's successful in this movie. I definitely understand why it was yeah. hugely successful. Is uh, is that you, anytime you take a character, uh, uh, I, you know, I feel like my Big Fat Greek Wedding and this movie are very, very similar. It's like yes. like characters in their late 30s, you know, uh, finding uh, love. Uh, uh, although in that movie, it's with the, like the duddiest kind of, uh, uh, what's his name? John uh, Corbett. John Corbett. Aiden. Yes. My least favorite of Carrie's boyfriend. Yeah. Come at me. Which yeah. again, Megan's favorite is burger. Please, so. I don't. I will. I am ready to take this heat. What Please about come Steve? at me. Well, that would, he actually just dated Miranda, but oh, I did love. Miranda. I did love. Okay, Steve. I remember. That was the only one I remember. Are you, was that your Steve impression? Miranda. The <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Miranda and Ronnie's relationship. I wrote this down. It definitely ends in one of them murdering the other one, though, right? I don't know. I feel like they really loved each other. No, it doesn't last long. I feel like it might be ends in murder. I'm telling you your life. When she says, I'm telling you your life, I'm just, I'm like, she reminds me a lot, and this is a big compliment. She reminds me of uh, Rachel Lewis, former guest Rachel Lewis. Yeah. I think he puts it, Johnny puts it right himself. He says that, uh, he addresses this almost. He's like, We're, we are made to fall in love with the wrong people. We're made to ruin ourselves. And that's kind of what the, I don't think the, the relationship uh, lasts yeah. necessarily. Yeah, it's very Hemingway. I, I also wrote, he wrote, I want to I mean, I mean, the end is great, but I almost wanted to end when they were all sitting at the table and the buzzer rings mm-hmm. when Johnny's at the door before Johnny comes back in. Mm-hmm. I almost thought that could just be a cool ending. Very like, uh, what's it called? Say anything. Yeah. It ends with the ding. Mm, yeah. Godfather two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love, but I love when, but then we would not have the best line in the movie, which is. I can't marry you. No. And my mother will die. No. 
In time, you'll drop dead and I'll come to your funeral in a red dress. Yeah. There's also a great scene at the end when the old man, the old grandfather, is like, come, you're part of the family. And, 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 uh, yeah. It's a, this movie has, like, I think it's interesting to watch in the same year or watch, like, uh, a few films after Fatal Attraction because Fatal Attraction is such a, uh, 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 like we were saying, a biblically, uh, there's, like, a biblical vengeance about infidelity yeah. in it. And Moonstruck is about infidelity, essentially. Yeah. She's, like, she's mm-hmm. cheating on her fiancé. but and her the, father's cheating on her mother. And the yeah. about, yeah. But it's sort of about the kind of forgiveness. It's yeah. sort of about a kind of grace that you get. And, and at the end of the movie, especially, you get it's uh, characters, they all find a kind of grace. It's like... Yeah, the father cheated, but he found a forgiveness with the mother. Uh, he stands up and he hits the thing, and because she says, "Like I want you to stop seeing," he just yeah. goes, "Okay." Yeah, that's such a beautiful. And you're right; that was all summed up with like, "Doesn't matter, past, future, whatever. We're all family here. Yeah, come together." And, and I think it's as dogs. realistic uh, to me. There's, uh, I, I know people have a hard time getting over infidelities and in, in right. marriages, but I'm like, that's as realistic as fatal attraction. Yeah, in a way, as. Just you know, yeah, it's fine. And it's, it, there's a wonderful moment in, early in the movie where the uh, is looking at a plane. The plane's taking mm-hmm. off, and, yeah. and the old lady's cursing the yeah. plane. Yeah. To yeah. Curse. <laughs> yeah, and then she goes, "I don't believe I in don't curses. Believe curses." And then he's like, "Me neither." And you realize, like, oh, this is a movie where curses don't, don't exist. Yeah. There's no yeah. one. Uh, this is not a he- the, the, the heaviness of the old world doesn't apply to these yeah. to, to these characters. Yeah, and I, um, and I love it for that. I just love that, the, and I love that the writing that went into that thing is like it's long. You think it's this, it's, that's gonna that's gonna play off in some way, and I curse that plane or whatever. And then when she says, "Yeah, me neither," it's just like, oh, this is just some fun color. Like it's such a colorful, it's such a colorful movie. Everything like even you know they don't make great use of New York. I think it, it like in like shot wise anyway yeah. but like it's such a uh, but you do have such a very specific place like yeah. a sense of place of like where this is the the house and where this is taking place and her life in the neighborhood and everything and going from you know place to place doing all the, the taxes and stuff like that I just I love this movie and Sharon really uh, embodies that character it reminds me you mentioned the star is born but I think if <clears throat> Lady Gaga plays her cards right she could be a share. Yeah. She, she could oh, be, like be. I think those are like they're like the same examples. If she doesn't get sucked yeah. into like the Ryan Murphy world of like camp and everything, I yeah. think she yeah. could. I think she could be in like four or five good movies, and that's because like, there you know, are yeah. the cool thing about Cher is that there's camp elements to her. Yeah. Like for sure, but like there's but this movie isn't camp. There's campiness in it. Yeah. But like like a star is born. There there it's not. And I think Richard Lawson wrote a good piece about this for about a star is born. If you guys are curious, but. There is, like, it's interesting to me to see something, to see a movie that has those sort like, you'd think a, a Cher movie would be campier, or a Lady Gaga mm, movie, and right. she's really credited as Lady Gaga, yeah. would be campier, but the the way that it's put together, unlike Hope and Glory, right. has it rise <laughs> above. Sorry, Hope and Glory. I am so sorry. All uh, I can say uh, is I'm excited movies. to see Lady Gaga in 30 years play the grandmother and. Madonna <laughs> sequel jukebox movie. Um, so Mama Mia. Let's move on to that year's winner, The Last Emperor. Are we here already? We're here. Oh, Lord. Well, I guess it's, it's about time. So I get the nom and I get the win just as if in terms of pure filmmaking and scope. Like, this is the movie of that year that feels 
with the exception of the fact that it is a predominantly non-white cast, it feels like an Oscar movie. Mm-hmm. Just because it's this epic movie, it's beautifully shot, like the locations are gorgeous, the costumes are gorgeous. That all feels very Oscar-y to me. And I, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just prefer most of the other movies that were nominated this year over it because they're more my kind of movie, basically. Um, it threw me that it was in English. The moment we started and it was all very... And it, it was... It, is that, am I the only person? Like, it started oh, sure, with yeah. interesting yeah. that it's a Chinese movie in English yeah. by, like, a famed Italian director. It's a yeah. little bit that thing of, like, Schindler's List being in largely in English. Yeah. And, you're yes. like, what are they, and it's like, well, it's for an American audience. But right. that, and, I, for some reason, that was, and maybe it's because I was like, oh, this is, these are, um, these, this is Ralph Fiennes, and these are, like, these are names that I know right. of, in the Western world. That made more sense. The fact that I was seeing so many... Chinese faces speaking English right. is interesting to yeah. me. It's, um, and even in Schindler's List, like when they're doing mm, like the announcements yeah. over the PA for stuff like that, for non-essential dialogue, yeah. it's all in German. Yeah. Like it's not like, like they were, like it was strange that I'm like, they're having, they're yelling at the prisoners uh, right. in China in English. Yeah. It's like, mm. like you could have made that in Chinese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, to like give us some sort of sense of place. It was just strange that the very first, English, yeah. Yeah. the very first shot that we're getting, English right away. The mm-hmm. other thing that's it, it makes me feel like a dick is the only like I think John Lone is actually very good in this movie, but the only person is that, that the really, guy that plays Pu, Pu's the one who plays the emperor. Yeah, Puyi. The only person that super jumps off the screen for me is Peter O'Toole. Like every time Peter O'Toole's on screen, like it's clear that like oh, this is a movie star. Like, yeah. and there's a reason why he's... And the lesbian... Uh, the toe-sucking scene? Yeah, the toe-sucker. Yeah, that, I mean, that scene, scene just stood Some out to me scene. because I was like, I can't believe this got an, an Oscar-winning yeah. movie. Well, I oh, also yeah. like when Some she's of the like, Wetner stuff, I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah this is some yeah. hot stuff. Yeah. He seemed a little old for that. So. Uh, of course, I think that's the point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I like when she was like, I'm going to bomb Shanghai. I hate China. Yeah. That's kind of all I have to say. Like, I don't have a ton to say about this movie because I agree with you, I think, uh, that I was like, this is... I don't not like this movie. I just was like, this. it's A, very long. And mm-hmm. it's a biography about a subject that I find, frankly, uninteresting. Right. And the reason is he didn't really do much. He didn't, he wasn't a really bad guy. Yeah. Like he kind of got suckered into this shit with the Japanese. He wasn't a really good guy. He didn't do anything particularly yeah. interesting. And so I was and like, it hey. also feels like there's a lot of really interesting history happening around it that yes. we only touch on. I'm more interested yeah, in a yeah. lot of other aspects. Like I'm so like, obviously it was only a small part of his story, but like the cultural revolution in China is like, Super interesting. Yeah. You, but if you don't know anything about it at all, like they don't you do probably it. don't even really understand what's going on at the end it's of the honestly, day. It's honestly reminds me a little bit of like in the eighties there's uh if you've seen Reds or you've seen uh-huh. um uh, Heaven's Gate even. Uh, are these movies it, it seemed like an era all the way up to The Last Emperor where you could make a movie about a relatively like obscure part of history. I mean this the idea of telling Chinese history you're talking about Chinese, uh, China during World War II through the eyes of this character who's living in a forbidden city and is literally like uh, the entire first 90 minutes of the movie is just in one uh, gold and red colored uh, uh, 
prison almost. It's a very strange yeah. way to make a historical epic. I love it for that reason. It's such a strange movie. The first 90 minutes of the movie is so odd. Yeah. Uh, these eunuchs uh, all kowtowing to the... Child, Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah, this child. I mean, it's. I don't know if there's. There's not really a lot of movies about like an, an unchecked power uh, in this way, and um, and then in the second half of the movie to kind of humanize this guy and to uh, 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 show just that that contrast. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough one. This brings in to me. This is like it brings up the entire question of like what do you think a great movie is? Right. Uh, yeah. Because, oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, this comes up every, every Academy Awards because people go, well, if it won cinematography and editing and uh, art direction and blah, 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 how come it doesn't win Best Picture? And it's like, well, some movies are, are exceptional in all of... Like, Last Emperor may be, in a certain regard, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen across the board in a lot of different ways. Right. But I don't... I saw this movie three years ago and honestly, I didn't remember very much yeah. from, it, yeah. from that viewing to this one. And then as I was sitting and watching it, I was like, oh yeah, this is a great movie, but it's just, does it resonate with you or not? And, no. You know, yeah. It doesn't I, live... It doesn't live in an... And it, you know, not everything has to be like you have to have an emotional connection to right. it. But I truly... We've talked about this with some other biopics. Like, I was interested... Like, I wasn't super bored. I was interested... But by the end, like, I do not care. Yeah. And then the end, there's, like, some sort of magical realism, sort of, that comes yeah, into play there, too. Yeah, it vanishes. Where he vanishes, yeah. and also, how long do fucking crickets live for? I'm guessing it's not Well, that's magic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jose Rivera did a punch-up. <laughs> <laughs> it's magical. It's like water for chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I just was like, this is... Yeah, I can appreciate... Again, it's very, like, I can appreciate the artistry, but there, but this is, and and maybe it's just not for me. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like I, I, I would relate it to, and I, I like the movie better. I mean, it's just I think yeah, it is what appeals to you. Like I think of like Gravity versus Twelve Years a Slave. Like Gravity, like as a technical achievement, like I thought was unbelievable. Like what Quaron did with that movie, but like Twelve Years a Slave affected me much more. Like through the story it was telling. Um, and I mean, this is a different year because it's not like you have, it would, it's not like it's Last Emperor versus like Schindler's List or something like that. Yeah. But In a way, like, it's almost like Last Emperor up against like three domestic comedies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's like, so I, can, get why like I can sit back and be like, yeah, of course the Academy picked The Last Emperor over these other movies yeah. that are because everything else is pretty small scale. Definitely super small scale in comparison. Yeah, I can't. Well, nominee-wise. Yeah. But there's, yeah and honestly, like, I would say I, even like, even almost most of the other movies from the year, like, I guess you could say, and I mean, we'll get into this more, like, of the other five movies I watched, like, the second half of Full Metal Jacket, I guess, is more of an Oscar-y movie. Like, yeah. It's like, obviously it's more cynical than like you would expect from some of that stuff. But it's a but scale. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a yeah. war but like, epic, yeah. yeah. But like the other movies like I watched from that year are all pretty much domestic dramas or strange comedies like Raising Arizona. Like it's not, Yeah. Um, there's nothing of this scope really, I guess, except, I've never seen it, I guess, except maybe Empire of the Sun that, comes out there. Empire of the Sun is is, yeah. is, is totally is epic. up there yeah. And, yeah. and probably and is, is almost strange that it was and also as a kid Empire of the Sun and The Last Emperor it was impossible for me to, <laughs> to keep them straight. differentiate yeah. them. I was like which one won Best Picture? Empire of the Sun won. No, no. And Empire of the Sun also a movie I loved 
at the time still love. Uh, but The Last Emperor, I, I do have to give it credit that, like, not only is it a fantastic movie for this year, it may be, I mean, it's ironic that Peter O'Toole is in both this and Lawrence of Arabia. It, you really have to, there's only a handful of movies that are this huge, yeah. that feel this huge just in terms of number of, just the, like Apocalypse Now, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, this film, uh, just the number of bodies in right. the movie. It's yeah. like you, you almost miss, you'll, you're never going to get this kind of film again. You're never going to get a non-digital crowd yeah. um, of this scale and, uh, again. And, it's, it's a, and I don't really respond so much to Bertolucci in general like a, a conformist and Last Tango in Paris in these movies. I can kind of intellectually understand that they're great. I don't really love those movies. Right. This is a movie that I think I think I, I do love uh, uh, because uh, God the, the just I think it's not just a, a scale and scope movie. It's you really do see like a true master. In small scenes like with him, he's under the covers with the um, with his uh, two wives, yeah. and the whole yeah. thing is kind of shot with, with, with these movement under these silky covers, and you just go, "This is just an incredible filmmaker." Right? You know, at work. It's not a warm movie. Yeah. Um, and, I think that's probably know, a lot of what it is. It's just know. very, it's very cold. It's very exacting, and yeah. it's not. Um, there was nothing about it that like I was turned off by, but there's also nothing that like draws me, drew me in to yeah. the story it was telling. Yeah, yeah, and, and, um, and John Lone is good, but yeah. you're, it's a little bit that thing of uh, how charismatic is this character? Yeah. How much do you really relate to a guy that kind of had everything given? It's, right. a, it's a strange man. It's a movie about a very strange man. This yeah. man is sort of like raised in uh, complete luxury and everyone, and he has everything and then suddenly it's, it's, take, it's dealing with extremes of life that are completely unrelatable. So it doesn't, I don't fault the film for being unrelatable. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's not a movie that we're going to Put on every Christmas. And, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> well, you've never met my family, I guess. I like um, that they put those dicks in jars. Remember when they were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the yeah, uh, so they emperor, uh, full yeah, man. the dowager empress is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah, that she's hair like a, is. She's like Angelica Houston in Captain EO. She d- and she dies right on cue. Yeah. Yes. Which it I appreciate. Made perfect timing mm-hmm. getting there. Yeah. yeah. Really great timing. Yeah. Because yeah. if that carriage had gotten hung up at all, she's dead. No. And then Actually, I think she willed herself to live, to live and die. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, before we move on some, to some other movies from the year, let's rank the nominees from five to one. Ryan, we'll start with you. Gosh, this is tough. Well, well obviously your favorite is Hope and Glory. <laughs> <laughs> One, Hope and Glory. Uh, I, well, okay, five obviously is Hope and Glory. I don't think we're. I think that we're uh, pretty much. Uh, all I think we are. Now. Yeah, uh, four. I'm gonna have to go. I might have to go Fatal Attraction, even though it's a movie that I really do love, and it's it's a. It, I think you have Hope and Glory, and then you have a sort of a chasm, and then you yeah. have Fatal Attraction at four. I think three. Hell, this is really tough. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pull a bandaid off. I'm gonna go three Moonstruck, two Last Emperor, and one Broadcast News. Megan, guys, guys, hope and glory. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a movie? Was that a real movie Did that I watched? That? Yeah. 
here uh. in my home? And okay. Uh, I'm going to say four just because based on like what has endured the test of time is Last Emperor for me. Yep. Three is Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Two is Moonstruck. Those two are like kind of sides of the same coin, but one is obviously Broadcast News. Like two sides of the same like genre-y coin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just happen to like a yeah. romantic comedy genre mm-hmm. more. For me, I go five. It's Hope and Glory. Was that a was that a movie? <laughs> I feel like truly I that movie ended and I was like, I did I dream this? Is it a fever dream? It's I texted a, you. By the way, it's a bad ending. It's like and we and we hung out on the lake and the yeah. lake was the greatest time. It was the, the best time, time, time on the lake. The time on the lake. Oh, the lake. What are we talking about? Yeah. Wasn't this movie about London and the Blitz? Yeah. There's it's to end the movie. Smash like Cut to Black. Yeah. 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 The lake. We love the lake and the um, cricket. Four, I also have Last Emperor. Three for me is Moonstruck. Two is Broadcast News. <gasps> wow. Guys, I loved Fatal Attraction. Wow, I love it. I love wow. it. That's out of memory. Wow. I love it. But you know what? That's great. 1987 had more than five movies released. I love it. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about some of the other movies. Ryan, were there any in particular you wanted to touch on from that year? Well, I have a huge list of things from 1987. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to talk about things that I can I can check them off my list or, or not. Um, uh this say you know I, I I know probably people say this about whatever year they're talking about. Yeah, 1987 doesn't get brought up a lot as like it never gets brought up as a great film year. It's not a, a 39 or a 99 or anything. Yeah, but I 76. was amazed by how many sort of populist hits have endured from the yeah. year. Yeah, and it's a lot of movies that I don't necessarily like love deeply, but. You have your RoboCop and your and your uh, uh, Dirty Dancing and films like uh-huh. this that people seem to they resonate with people yeah. still. Uh, the two uh, that we we I think in the if we were talking about realistically like what what could have been in a Best Picture uh, category. Um, uh, Au revoir les enfants. Au revoir les enfants. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, people, you yeah. are right. It's okay. People hate me. Yeah. 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 And not just for the French thing. No. Uh, it's just a, but most... t- just a tiny piece of the giant iceberg. <laughs> sinks the Megan Titanic. Uh, au revoir, Laurie's uh, Enfant. Um, sure. is sort of uh, uh, that's a movie I think that uh, very well could have slotted in you know uh, instead of Hope and Glory that movie is um, incredible it's, and, and yeah. also it looks so beautiful and so yeah. I, I, I remember my mom's French teacher and she used to show that to her students and so I, I saw that at a very early age and I love that movie and, yeah. and it's a better movie about war than Hope and Glory as like a, a young child's wartime recollection it's almost strange that that movie is not, yeah. is not as no, opposed yeah. to Hope and Glory it doesn't um, make sense and then um, and then uh, also this is the year David Mamet put out House of Games which is a, a movie that I think is a, a it's not my favorite Mamet movie but I think a notable movie from the year that I think could have uh, in a different sort of a canopy universe would have been uh, uh, considered. The, the two, though, that I think I, I definitely really, really love, uh, and it's a, uh, are uh, Full Metal Jacket, mm-hmm. which you touched on, 
which I think is to this day, people have issues about it being, you know, whatever, like uneven or the structure is strange or whatever. And I went back and looked at like the middle 45 minutes because I knew I loved the first 45 minutes of the movie and I knew yeah. I loved the end. And I was like, well, what is it in the middle here that people are kind of objecting to? And I think that the movie is actually pretty pretty entertaining and solid all the way through. It's so unflattering of the American soldier. Yes. Sure. I mean, it really is the most unflattering mil- movie ever made about the military. Yes. And, uh, and I think it's why people didn't like it at the time. I think it's why people like Platoon more, which is comparatively is like a children's movie. Um, Full Metal Jacket is so smart and tough and uh, it might be the, my favorite war movie ever, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, uh, and it might have been in some, I think honestly like that movie probably was never in contention to be nominated for Academy Award. Right. It's, it's just too uh, unpopular of a statement, yeah. you know, yeah. to, uh, to make. Um, uh, but I think like the beginning of that, you talk about iconic stuff, the be- first 45 minutes of that movie is as memorable as anything from this year. It's, well, it's some of the best, it might be 45 of the best Kubrick and, minutes yeah, ever. And, and to me, you brought the uneven thing. And for me, having wa- I rewatched the movie for this and I had watched it, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago for the first time. And that, my memory of it was that it was uneven and I, for me, that still holds true, I think. Um, I just think that first 45 minutes is so great. Yeah. That I don't even think the second half of the movie is bad. I just don't think it can, once you move out of, to me, Arlie Ermey and Vincent D'Onofrio are the most interesting characters in the movie and after the first 45 minutes, we're not with them, they're gone. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for the rest of the movie just to live up to it. Yeah, um, I, I had never seen this movie before, yeah. actually, and I watched it because I knew you were going to watch oh. it. And I, I, I think you're right. I think I actually, I think the second half of the movie is amazing and super well done. But I think just the first half kind of sets you up for something different. I, right. I think than just it sets you up for something different. And I think and 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 I I understand why it wasn't nominated because you're right. The second half, while not only not only is it unflattering to the military, it's also like a wicked fucking bummer. It is like yeah. it is it is just unlike a, the actual Vietnam War. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I understand went very well. We won the Americans, we right? Won. Everything yes. was great. Yeah. yeah, great, great, great. Um, but I did like that it wasn't. I did enjoy. We like we've talked about like war movies like Saving Private Ryan and a lot of other stuff in the past. Like, there's really no. We got nothing past the soldier level. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like there was no, we saw no scenes of political machinations or, mm. or government stuff or any of the, or even like hires up basically. Yeah, right. Like, I, I, not that I know much about military. Whoa. Calm down, Scout. Not that I know much about military rank. Jesus, my dog. Scout! Oh, oh this is. Scout! Oh, sorry. I'm she shocked. has problems with the film. She's uh, not care yes. for. She's oh, not a Modine fan. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I, I, it was My a good. Sense. It was a good movie, and it should have been nominated for. Sh- I'm surprised. I mean, that Kubrick it wasn't famously is pretty ignored by the Academy. Yeah, was he ever nominated? I know he never won, but uh, gosh, I want to say uh, I think Doctor Strangelove was probably nominated. Oh, for I think Doctor Strangelove was director, yeah. and then um, gosh, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to think if any of the other ones were. I think maybe uh, Clockwork Orange. Okay. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, this movie, it's interesting that you, because I, I noticed that same thing of like, it's a little bit like, remember when, it's like if you uh, compared Godfather to Goodfellas. 
Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. sense of like, oh, we're doing an operatic movie about the... Um, uh, the, the what it's like to be a dignified mafia don, and then we're doing like a grunt level movie yeah. about what it's like to be a, a foot soldier in yes. the in the mafia. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what this is. Is like there's no. I think people were probably disappointed in the movie because it's not a movie about how the government got this one conflict wrong. Yeah. Right. It's a movie about how the very nature of going into basic training is a kind of dehumanization. Yeah. That. Is basically consistent across all wars, right? And uh, it's a, it's a much larger indictment than just yes. like oh, the Vietnam War was a mistake. Uh, it's really a brutal uh, yeah. movie that, uh, and it can, makes perfect sense that it wasn't uh, nominated. It's yeah. one of those movies that you just have to go. Well, it's just not this. The Academy's dumb. It's yeah. a dumb. Yeah. It's a dumb body. But it, I mean, it was crazy having not watched this movie and you know however long and being like, is it? Just so it's so ingrained in the culture, it's just so memorable that for that first forty-five minutes, I felt like every other line, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this line." Well, and also it's like, a, it's it's one of those movies that dumb people watch and they go, "Oh, that's funny that he called yeah. him a, a yeah. you know, or whatever." What's it's your like when people you know, like, when bros like uh, like want to be Scarface or whatever. Yeah, or, oh, yeah. or, or, or Wolf Tyler of Wall Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's yeah. like this is not you're I was, not getting yeah. the right message. I went to an Angels game last summer with my friend Andy, and we're both Astros fans. They were playing the Astros. And a guy. The Astros are playing this. My socks. I know. I know you were paying attention to the entire Boston Red Sox season, and now you're. No, but I'm from Boston, (laughs) so that's it. Are you from Boston? Well, New England. That all counts. Um, But as we were walking through the parking lot, a guy said, "Texas. The only thing from Texas is steers and queers." Yeah. And I was like, "Right, Full Metal Jacket." And he was like, "Nope, Officer and a Gentleman." I was like. Oh, maybe. I don't... And that, that line is an officer and a gentleman, but it's about Oklahoma, an officer and a gentleman. Oh, yeah. wow. So, nice. Nice. Um, anyway, so it's still resonates By the way, I'm obsessed with that he was like... people That this guy County. was like, nope, yeah, this, this like, bro guy was like, that's his touchstone, an yeah. officer yeah, and a gentleman? Like, no, the romance, officer and a gentleman. <laughs> Are you familiar with Richard Lou Gears? Gossett Jr.? <laughs> Young David Caruso. Oh, I love Jeff Winger. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, Full Metal Jacket was great. Uh, did you guys? And you, I know you watched Raising Arizona. Oh, and yes, this was the other. Was this, the that other was the other. Yeah, oh, okay. that was yeah. the other. Film, which I, yeah, I, I think we can all talk about. Another dynamite Holly Hunter crime. It's another. I mean, it combines. Uh, you got Holly Hunter and Nick Cage, who were both in other more respectable movies this year. Raising Arizona, though, I think is like the pinnacle of Nick Cage as an actor, and it was honestly like. It's just the. I mean, it's it's a movie that's so dear to my heart. But I looked at it again uh, recently for the show, and I don't know. That's an incredible. That's a hard film to beat. I know? will say my thoughts about Raising Arizona is I much like Full Metal Jacket. I think it's a little bit of a bait and switch. I like it, but I feel like the first like nothing nothing in the movie quite lives up to the prologue. Mm-hmm. For me, I like that. I like the movie. There's a lot of really cool stuff in it. But I guess I, and beyond the prologue, I actually like it up until, and I love John Goodman, but when he and the other guy show up at the, I would have, I, I think I would maybe prefer, and this would be a different movie, but I'm, I love the fam, the dynamic between Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter. Uh-huh. And from when they show up, Nicholas Cage and Holly Hunter don't have as much to do with each other. I can see and that. that and, and that was a that's a little bit of a bummer for and, me. And uh, Maddie and I actually were talking about this last night. Um, Megan's husband, f- former two-time guest on the pod. Um, 
the biker character is just so odd because he's not even almost played dead like comic effect like most of the rest of the movie is. Mm. He's just like this. Um, I tell you the one thing that I think does add to the movie after the prologue, and I think maybe maybe next to the two of them, but maybe even not, my favorite performance in the movie is Sam McMurray. Oh, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> is that the dad? <laughs> the one who's he's like, my sperm got Oh, yeah. yeah. Got a problem with my sperm. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's so good in it. Yeah. yeah. And Francis McDormand. And yeah. uh, I was trying, I was thinking about this movie because it's a movie I've, I've seen so, I've probably seen it more than all of these other movies put together. Yeah. And, um, uh, I was trying to think, I was trying to just place it in terms of like, well, where does this sit in film history? Is this yeah. like what came before it and what came after it? And I realized like it's almost, in, it, 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 even though it exists very much in a movie world, it basically imitates nothing. There's yeah. nothing like this movie beforehand. And then afterward, there's really, the Coen brothers are so good, no one even attempts to imitate them. Like yeah. no one I even, will bring up one person that I think that I know does. And Greg Garcia does not have a career if it's not for seeing Raising Arizona. <laughs> oh, sure. Because yeah. there, I mean, Raising Hope is an homage, like the name is an homage yeah. to Raising Arizona, but My Name is Earl and Raising Hope are basically just like... That's true. That's like, true. Version, like him trying to take characters, I feel like, from Raising Arizona. Would you guys say, what would you, here's, a, here's a fun game, because I, I know mine. Do you guys know what your favorite Coen Brothers movie is? It's mine is Fargo. Mine is probably Raising Arizona. Um, I love Barton Fink and Fargo. And yeah. I love Man Who Wasn't There. Do you want to guess what mine is? Yeah, yours is Inside Llewyn Davis. Yes, correct. No. <laughs> you know what? I will say this about Raising Arizona. I think that a couple years later, Tarantino starts making films, and, and within a couple years after that, Wes Anderson starts making films. I don't know if you get movies that are as entrenched in a movie world, in yeah. an alternate universe movie world without yeah. the Coen brothers. And, That's so true. And Raising Arizona is the first one that's sort of like that. Like, Blood Simple's more of a straight-up noir, yeah. but I think that, that run of Raising Arizona, Millage Crossing, and um, Barton Fink, I think almost liberate the rest of these filmmakers to go... In, is, uh, I wouldn't say Tarantino's, like, directly inspired yeah. by him, but I don't think you get... But, like, his stuff maybe doesn't get greenlit if the Coen Brothers stuff yeah, doesn't yeah, do well. Yeah, yeah, You can make a movie because, like, that's, about, that's about a world that doesn't, that is here but doesn't yeah. exist. I mean, Tarantino, obviously, is famously, like, inspired basically, like, by, I don't want to just say pulp, because obviously pulp fiction, yeah. but, like, by genre, like, specific genre filmmaking, his own twist on, like... Yeah. But that, that sense of being like, self-aware, yeah. the yeah. idea of, like, you're going to the film and you're aware that the filmmaker is smarter... Then the, you're you're yes. you're sort of relaxed in the sense of like oh I understand that the filmmaker knows everything about movies and he's synthesizing all these yeah. things from yeah. film history in a in a film I'm trying to think of a movie before Raising Arizona where you feel that in such a in such a wonderful comic way and then later on in Pulp Fiction you get it and later on in Rushmore or something yeah. you get it but I'm trying to think of like and I don't know if before Raising Arizona you really get that in a comedy. Um, and so in, in that way it's an influential movie yeah uh, uh, and it has I think it still has the best chase scene I think of any uh, movie for me uh, yeah that's very um, funny you know Maddie was almost the kid the baby are you kidding Maddie's mother took him to audition and I guess that like he made it kind of far to be the baby in this movie wow not he didn't have to unfortunately he didn't have four uh, identical brothers. No, so he, did he didn't he didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> other bonus other other bonus fun facts. I think you guys probably already know this, but did you know that Holly Hunter and Francis McDormand were roommates? That's right. And they live with Sam Raimi. Yes! Oh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And, I had yeah. forgotten Francis McDormand was in this movie and the whole time I was like, Holly Hunter's so great. I wonder 
if Francis McDormand is doing something else because like I think Holly Hunter is better actually for that role, but yeah. I had forgotten she was in the movie because I, I was like, it's like I'm surprised so he didn't much. just put Francis McDormand in this movie because she probably at that point I'm sure they were already together and she'd done Blood Simple with yes, them. And yeah. So I was like I'm sort of surprised she's not playing this part. And then I was like, oh, she's in the movie. Like they just. I want yeah. them to be in every movie together. I would yeah. love to just have a drink with Holly Hunter and Francis McDormand. Wouldn't that be so fucking cool? Unfortunately, I feel like they've both become and I and I say this, I worship Francis McDormand. I think she's yeah. become a little bit. Uh, she has that Tommy Lee Jones kind of toughness where it's I think it's so affected now yeah. that I'm a little yeah. bit like I'm not as into her as I yeah. and then Holly Hunter also I'm not quite as into what into uh, I, I think she remained a very good actress all the way through the 90s and was underrated for a while and now I, uh, I don't know what's going on yeah I, mean, I guess that's true I did like her a lot in The Big Sick yeah, yeah personally um, two the, movies yeah. that I would like to mention. Yes. I would be remit- remiss if I didn't mention Adventures in Babysitting, which was like That's a nostalgic another, reason. Another, another Multiple huge, Oscar yeah. winner. I mean, it was never going to get it nominated for an Oscar, but it's it, as a genre movie. Elizabeth Shue wasn't nominated. For it's another one that strangely holds on. It too, really is. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I've rewatched it in the years since because sometimes you watch those movies that you loved yeah. as a kid and you're like, eh. and it's very, it's still very fun yeah. And, yeah. and cool. But the movie that it has the staying power from this year, and again, it's not like a, you know, I don't know that this would be the pick, but there's no, if we're nominating Moonstruck, if we're nominating yeah. these other genre movies, there's no reason why The Princess Bride shouldn't be nominated, which is, mm-hmm. I think, the most quotable movie for me from that year. It's there. I think that is the closest thing to a perfect movie for me from that year, because there's nothing, there's nothing in that movie that I don't like. It's very funny. It's also very romantic, which is rare to have something that's... Moonstruck is this, too. Yeah. It's actually mm-hmm. funny and mm-hmm. actually romantic. Um, and the and the performances are really, really good and fun, and it introduced the world to Robin Wright Penn. Um, Robin Wright. Sorry, Robin don't Wright. Don't throw that pen on her. I know. She was still Robin Wright, She got Wright rid of it. At that point. <laughs> yeah, he was too busy beating Madonna to... Oh boy! Rob Reiner did such a that's tough. Rob Reiner did such Tying a good Madonna job with this movie. It's Who's so, that girl? Also, yeah, that is guys. That is actually dark. Yes. <laughs> R.I.P. Carrie Elway's after this movie. Um, He's not dead. But really no, he was in Rob Robin Hood, Prince of Prince Tights. Of, no, Men in Men in Tights. Men in Tights. Saw. Glory. Uh, this movie is a great movie. Whenever the, if the, mm. this is the bottom line. If the fucking Princess Bride is on TV, you're gonna sit your ass I'm down gonna push, and you're gonna yeah, watch that. I'm shit. actually gonna push back on this. Really, you don't like the Princess Bride? I don't not like the Princess Bride, but I think um, as opposed to the other films you're talking about, if you can strip nostalgia of you watching this as a child away, I think Princess Bride watching it for the first time as an adult in 1987 probably does not carry the same thing like a Moonstruck would carry. I disagree. I think it's an. I think it's an. Epic. I don't think. I think a lot of it is actually not. I think there's certain things that are great. There's certain exchanges that are great. Like I think a lot of the opening of the like I think Mandy Tinkin and Carrie Elwes is like back and forth ends yeah. up being great. I think a lot of the stuff actually early on with the three of them with Andre the Giant and. Um, Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn is actually when I rewatched it, I was like, there's actually not a ton of that's great in this to me it's oh, not that funny great I don't scenes, think though. no I think the best, so great. I, I think the best scene is with Wallace Shawn no, when the he goes the best yeah, scene I think is but I clearly is, cannot is take is the boys in front of you yeah. is Christopher Guest and Chris Sarandon which I feel is more yes. subversive 
which I feel like a lot of the movie I thought I remembered being more subversive, and I don't think it is as subversive. I love when they're going through the forest, and there's the. It's kind of a scary movie too, and they're talking about the Rous and stuff. Yeah, and, the, yeah. and it jumps on him and and bites him. It just. I think it's a. I think it's an epic scale. And I think it's actually funny. I think it's actually romantic. And I think the reason why, again, movies like that get overlooked is because it is, it's a fairy tale. Yeah, I think for a fairy tale, it's incredibly... For, and also for a children's movie, for a movie that's geared more to children. I watched this movie, I don't know, three, four years. I'd seen it a bunch of times, but I watched it about three, four years ago with my niece. And I was incredibly impressed by how well it held up. And um, I think that it is... I respond to it in a way that I don't respond to Harry Potter or any of this stuff that's kind of come afterward. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot. I wish a lot of these movies were just more uh, naked in their fairy tale uh, influences. Uh, I feel like uh, Princess Bride is. Well, I mean, uh, I'm going to disagree with you on Harry Potter because that's like an epic for our I, time. I will say that mm-hmm. Princess Bride is better than any of the. Harry oh, Potters. I would agree with that. I would. Have, oh, but the, <laughs> but listen, I'm talking about if if you want to borrow my books. I will allow that to happen. Uh, I'll borrow books and throw them in a the garbage. <laughs> Whoa! I never read no book. Only steers and queers come from, <laughs> come from Hogwarts. Um, um, the, other, the other two movies from that year that I rewatched because I wanted to rewatch them was I rewatched The Untouchables. Um, yeah, which I don't like that movie. It's I don't. Think oh, it's good. come on, that's a good movie. I, know. I, I, I only, don't think it's good. I think, Brian, the, I think it's the, not sh- good. the shootout at the train station is great. Yes, sure. And Sean Connery is actually very good in it. Yes, and similar to and like some of the other things we've talked about. And De Niro's great in it. But um, it's weird watching that movie now because, like, looking back, you're like, oh, I mean, it's a, a movie about two movie stars, Kevin Costner and. Uh, and Robert De Niro and Kevin Costner was not a like this was his movie star this was the year he became a movie star like he'd made oh, movies right, yeah, he'd been yeah. in like Silverado and he'd been in but like this The Untouchables and No Way Out come out in 1987 yeah. and that sort of propels him into Bull Durham I only watched that movie and, for the first time recently and I was like I don't think this is good. Do you I like? Do you do you uh, follow De Palma, or do you, do you what do you do? You have a feeling. You have feelings De about De Palma. Yeah, I don't I'm have not like, a crazy De Palma person I guess myself I don't have either. Too much to say. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. This is well. I would say that this movie's not even because I know people that are myself. I consider I don't think this is a De Palma. Definitely not peak De Palma. No, it's definitely not like, peak De Palma, no. and it's also not a cool De Palma movie to no. like. Like this and Mission Impossible might actually be my favorite De Palma <laughs> movies, right. and they're not even like the cool film yeah. nerd De Palma movies right. to like. Um, I just think it's just somebody just having so much fun making a. Uh, uh, film. I mean, yeah. in a certain. Way. I think it, it's weird. Because I'd like to see Kevin Costner have a little more fun. Yeah, yeah. To be the he's most boring. We've talked about this in past. He's, he's, he's a, you guys have seen him a lot, really. Yeah, particularly yeah. in this movie, I find him boring. He's and very not his interesting. Boring. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, also, they make a lot. They, they do a lot of things like, and obviously, a lot of movies do this, but they make a lot of weird historical choices that it's like that doesn't wouldn't change the movie to me at all. Like, like. A young Patty Clarkson, first of all, playing the wife. Great to see her. <laughs> yes. But like Clark. it was like he was married at the time, but it was like his third wife. Like he has an adopted he Elliot Ness had an adopted son like later in life. Like, yeah. but they have like two kids in this movie. It's like stuff like that, but it's like it's weird that David Mamet and Brian De Palma would do that. Yeah. Like that yeah. seems like weird that those two guys would be like and I'm sure it was a studio note, but it's I think they're still... also. I mean, at the time, it's it's based on a television show. They're very yeah. hooked into the kind of television origins right. of it. It's 
um, it's not meant to be a serious yeah. m- movie in yeah. any way. The other thing I rewatched was Wall Street, just because I kind of wanted to watch it, because I, Michael Douglas won the Academy Award for Wall Street, but it's also right in this, like, Oliver Stone running the Academy, like, five-year period, yeah. where we go basically from Platoon to JFK, where he's nominated three out of five years for Best Picture, yeah. and... Um, so I just want to rewatch it, and it doesn't really hold up very well. It's not very good. I agree. I don't. I, I, <laughs> I actually think Michael Douglas is better in Fatal Attraction than he is in Wall Street. Like yeah. he's got, of course, the famous, and he's not that he's bad in the movie. I just think the character is more interesting to me in Fatal Attraction. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, Wall Street has never been a movie that I yeah. respond to. I actually like Wall Street. Money never sleeps. <laughs> Better than Wall Street. Well, you got the LaBeouf in that. Yeah, you got LaBeouf. LaBeouf and, and Carrie Mulligan, right? Um, um, and Carrie Mulligan, yes. I saw Saran. her at the yeah. airplane the other night. Yeah. She is stunning. She's great. I saw her in a play over the summer that was uh, really Oh, yeah? Was yeah. she good? She's amazing. She's good. I really like her. Um, yeah. yeah, Wall Street's not that great. And, and I actually don't think that uh, Michael Douglas even registers in this year of great acting where um, I, I looked at a few movies like uh, Ironweed I'd never seen. I'd never seen Ironweed. And, um, and Jack Nicholson's terrific in that. This is also the year of uh, Whitnell and I and Richard E. Grant uh-huh. gives this iconic performance that wasn't even nominated. Um, uh, there's great lead actors this year uh, that uh, I just don't even think Michael Douglas is in the, in the same. Even Mickey Rourke in Barfly uh, is a, is kind of a better performance than what Michael Douglas is doing uh, uh, in Wall Street. I, it's a very strange film. I don't understand the, uh, Wall Street at all. I actually have never seen Wall Street, and I'm going to tell you, I don't think I ever will. And I tell you this, I like Oliver Stone. I'm an Oliver Stone defender later on with JFK and Nixon. I like those movies more than anyone I know. Oh, I like I JFK quite a bit. Yeah. I did not. Yes. I did not care for yes. JFK. I know um, you didn't care for JFK. The, the other nominees that year, by the way, for Best Actor were William Hurt for Broadcast News, mm-hmm. uh, Marcello Mastroianni for Dark Eyes, which I'm not familiar with, Jack Nicholson, and then Robin Williams for Good Morning Vietnam. Which, which I an, did not rewatch. Which I, didn't, I rewatched it when he, that was one of the movies I rewatched when he passed away a few years ago, and the, he's good in it. That movie doesn't super hold up well for I me either. I never liked that movie either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I agree. I think there's probably some better performance. I mean, Albert Brooks alone is probably better than... I haven't seen Ironweed or Dark Eyes, but in the three nominated performances, I think. Yeah, um, even it's the year of, like, the John Candy planes, trains, and automobiles. You have, yeah. you have yeah. great... You, uh, this was a year that... Um, People said Steve Martin should have been up for Roxanne. Like you have, oh, I love that. All movie. kinds of uh, movie. there's just so many performances that are yeah. that are uh, in in that. Uh, it's like a, a, a strangely competitive year for act for lead actor, but you wouldn't know it from the nominees. Yeah. Well, especially nice to see again, like the two movies you just mentioned being comedies, really. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, and nowadays that's so. I mean, that's so rare to have a comedy. Yeah. Um, for anything, let yeah. alone Best yeah. Picture. So of all the movies we've talked about now, in the year 1987, Ryan, what should have won Best Picture? Well, uh, of everything that we've talked about, uh, I think history will prove me right. 
history will vindicate me. Uh, that uh, while broadcast news is, is definitely the best of those uh, nominees in the film that I uh, I truly love, I re- I honestly think that Raising Arizona will will prove to be the greatest movie of that year. <laughs> Megan was a trendsetter too. Yeah. Changed the game. Uh, I appreciate that Ra- Raising Arizona sort of changed the game. I grew I grow less interested in it the second half of it. I. I narrowly it's tough for me because it's going to narrowly edge out The Princess Bride but I think that Broadcast News is is the best movie the best made movie of that year in that it's like beat for beat nothing I would change Um, I'm sticking with Fatal Attraction yeah and I'm happy to to announce that I will be doing Glenn Close's audition or as my new audition monologue you can't do this her voicemail (laughs) (laughs) I love I love the choice of Fatal Attraction because like I was saying it is the one that survives it's the one that the most people have probably seen it's the one that the most people still watch all three different movies man yeah Yeah. Um, Ryan do you have a favorite movie of 2018 so far, um, the only I think I have only one movie I liked in 2018, which is it was First. Wowzer! Yeah, <laughs> I liked First Reformed. Oh yeah, that um, movie was really good and yeah. fucking uh, weird. Yeah, I think that that uh, movie. Uh, Did you see Disobedience yet? No. It's really good. Maybe I'll Amazon Prime it. Amazon Prime it. Why don't you? Uh, I think you would. I think you would. I think you I'll, like I'll check out Disobedience. Yeah, First Reform, I just think it just speaks to so much. I mean, it's all it's like someone has already, I think it's already been written about, but it feels like kind of a um, timeless movie in a way. But then also it seems to be the most immediate uh, yeah. in terms of uh, the existential uh, questions of climate change and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and also just I'm a sucker for Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader has a very good movie from 1987. The Canyons. Uh, the Canyons. <laughs> The only that's the only Schrader movie I don't like. Uh, not the Lindsay Lohan. The uh, yeah. Not yeah. Not starring Lindsay this, Lohan. This is the original version of the Canyons. Uh, right? Yeah, the original Canyons. Yeah, uh, it was with. Um, How many porn stars in this one? No, it was with Sean Young in the <laughs> <laughs> um, What is the movie? Um, Light of Day with uh, Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett oh, is uh, is a really interesting movie, and it's. Um, uh, it's sort of like it's almost made like a, a teen rocker mm-hmm. movie or whatever and then sure enough Paul Schrader like finds a way to put it like Jenna Rollins in there as like a, a religious mom that's dying and the kids are trying to reconcile with the, their faith and her faith and um, it's just uh, it's uh, he's just one of those directors that every, every single time out is into those into what he's into, and it happens to be the same thing that I'm sort of into every time out. And yeah. uh, and so uh, First Reformed uh, is good. And I saw I, I saw Stars Born. I liked it. Um, it'll probably win. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that being the winner if that comes down to being a Best Picture winner. Megan, do you have a favorite film of the year? Guys. Yeah. I cried four times. Is this the first show you've done after a scene? Yes. Oh my god! Oh. I feel like this is the first life di- life I've lived. <laughs> I'm like, like reverse. I, I, I first reformed. I am born again. Wow! Wow! Guys, this 
is my new favorite movie of this year. I've been listening Isle to Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs for so long. It was Isle of it Dogs. Was Isle of Dogs. Every week, Isle of Dogs. Thank you. And I love that movie. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, I this movie really, I really love this movie. I cried four times. I hope it wins. I I was like I want to hate Bradley Cooper man he mm-hmm. his like whole auteur thing is so Do, are you have you generally liked Bradley Cooper at all I've had almost no opinion on Bradley Cooper oh okay like, like most people yeah, yeah. like I, I feel like either people are like he's hot or they're like uh, you know whatever and I I don't care American Sniper is the greatest film ever made <laughs> he is like a Republican right I don't think so I think he's just like an Eastwood acolyte so he. Mm-hmm. I thought she was great. I think the music's great. I thought Sam Elliott was incredible. It really was emotionally effective. There was a dog in it. It checked every box. Charlie's great. He's a good boy. Checked every box for me. Um, and uh, I'm going to start using the phrase, uh, cooking a steak for my dog whenever I have a bad day. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That is so dark. No spoilers. Have no you spoilers. seen any of the, uh, star, uh, the other versions? No, and I was going to watch, I had plans to watch the Barbra Streisand one before I saw this one. And they were like, and they, uh, the internet was yeah. like, don't do, like, it's not. Yeah, if you're going, it, you might as well see the one. If I was just going to go I will say something line. that changed my perception of the movie, even hearing about it, was that uh, the Judy Garland version of that movie, or the George Cukor version, is a, a movie I just love so much. Really? In the last couple of years, I've, I, it's become one of my favorite movies. Really? And uh, so I will watch that. I love sort of, Judy Garland. And, and it beat a lot. Beat wise, it shares a lot with what happens in the the new version. Oh, good. And so I think Bradley Cooper was very smart to pull, pull from, from that. that version. Movie yeah. wise, it's a it's a it's a phenomenal. And Judy Garland is just. Especially I mean, with, with what happened to her later on, I feel like that would be it is, I mean, even more wait, emotionally effective. She oh, okay? shit. She okay? I, have, I have some terrible <laughs> news about <laughs> She ain't presenting best picture this year. <laughs> I just think it was, I just thought it was really smartly done. And I, I was, and again, I, so a lot of it came back to like choices that Bradley Cooper uh, made and I, I, I thought it used time really well. I thought it was. I thought he did a good job with the fucking drag queens. Ben, I was gonna drag say queens. best use of Willem I've seen in a film for sure. Yeah, for sure. And Shangela. No, Shangela's Don't great rest too. Don't on Shangela. Wait, are those famous drag queens? They're both from RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I just was like, I yeah, everybody told me I was gonna love it, and I was like, we'll see. And then I was like. I don't know if it's gonna be like my favorite movie of the year, yeah. but I, as of now, I'm like, you know, when we're ramping up, getting into mm-hmm. good times. Anyway. Um, mine's, mine's still eighth grade, although I like the Sisters Brothers quite a bit. Um, wow, as I haven't well. seen either of those. Yeah, many um, love that movie. Maddie didn't like it at all. We talked about it last night. Um, I also said The Hate You Give, which is like a YA movie, but I would suggest it. I thought it was very affecting I saw, um, for that genre. I also saw A Simple Favor this week, which uh-huh. I recommend only to see Blake Lively's fucking suits, outfits. And also, she's pretty she's good fun in it. it. Yeah, yeah, she's really... That fun. movie totally falls apart in the third act, but yeah, she's but good in it. But it's yeah. fun. But it's I like, do want to see that just because it seems like a pulp, kind of pulpy time. It is. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, yeah. and it, let me tell you, it moves. Like, it's it's yeah. it's pretty... Like, you're entertained yeah. like from beginning to end. Yeah, I'd, I'd fuck around with that. Yeah, fuck around with Simple Favor. Yeah. Um, Ryan, do you have anything you'd like to plug at this time? Um, No. No, I'm here for the love. I'm here for the love of it. I'm here for the love of 1987. <laughs> I'll tell you, you, you can watch some, you some piece of shit that like... I was involved in, or you could watch 
Such you could watch Raising Rex. Arizona, uh, Broadcast News, Fatal Attraction, uh, all these <laughs> movies. You could watch all the, all that stuff, you know. And uh, then also watch Ryan's shit. Yeah. But watch Hope and Glory first. Start <laughs> with Hope and Glory. Hey, really, I liked Hope and Glory. Really I actually liked Hope and Glory. I am. Um, we gotta end it. <laughs> we you, gotta end it there. Maggie, anything to plug? No. Okay. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Oscar Should, on Instagram at the Oscar Should have gone to, or like us on Facebook. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Guys, I ask this every week, and I can see if you've done it, and none of you have. We've been stuck at the same amount of reviews for weeks now, so help us out. We're just trying to get listeners. You enjoy it. You keep coming back. Yeah, weigh in. Come on. This was good. <laughs> yeah. This was good. This was, was a good discussion. I hope so. And I'd like some reviews, please. <laughs> Thank you. Please. please especially weigh do in it, on Ryan. Do I, it for Ryan. Ryan really wants to yeah, hear. Yeah, like tell just tell, like say I fucking hate that guy. Whatever. <laughs> just like get like weigh in. Get in on it. For the love of God. Um, Jesus Christ. Our next episode will be one year later. We're doing 1988 which I don't have the movies in front of me. Rain Man 1, it's The well, Accidental but have, Tourist. But we have Rain Man in front oh, of yeah. us. The Accidental oh, Tourist nice. is Real dangerous. nice. Actually, you know what? Don't review <laughs> the thing. Favorite. Uh, it's uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, oh wait, there's a, a Working Girl. It's Working, working girl. girl. Well, if you haven't seen Accidental Tourist, that's a movie you might like less than Hope and Glory. <laughs> oh, I did not see um, that. I tell you, I've watched it in the last year and a half, and I could not tell you a single damn thing about yeah, it. Great. Maybe... On my next viewing, that'll change. The 80s the are a dangerous movie time. from 1988 is Mississippi Burning. Oh. With all of our favorite, James Woods, baby. <laughs> Wait, Jim, uh, isn't he on that? Oh, Ghosts of Mississippi. No, no that's Ghosts Ghost of Mississippi. Sorry, oh, yeah. uh, I'm anyway. He loves to talk oh, yeah. to his fans on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.